in three, two, one, and we're live. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you were here? How about no, you crazy Dutch bastard? What we've got here is failure to communicate. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. Why so serious? I am serious. Now don't call me sir. What's up, everybody? It's Friday night, and you know what that means. It's the dads that drink. Once again, you've let us crawl into your ear hole, look around. We didn't find anything as usual, and we're here to entertain you this evening. We have a great show. If you like Black Mirror, if you like The Twilight Zone, if you like being generally just freaked out about the person that you're married to, this is the movie for you. So tonight, we bring on not only the director of the honeymoon phase, but we bring on its two main stars. Is everybody ready? I think we are. So let's get into it right now. Philip G. Carroll, the director, Chloe Carroll, who plays Eve, and Jim Shubin, who plays Tom. Let's welcome him into the show. There is everybody. How is everybody doing? Hey, good. How are you guys? Good. I saw you laugh a little bit, Jim. Did I say your name right? You got it perfect. Oh, great. Yes, we're off and running. I, that's I like good because we interviewed the um, casting crew from um, what's a love show? The One uh, BR. One BR. And I called uh, the the main actress the wrong name once, and I felt really humiliated. <laughs> so you can't mess up worse than that. Oh, I don't think I'm seeing someone. Okay. I see you and Chloe. I see a gentleman with a very creepy background that says bar. Is there someone else? Uh, yeah, there's one other person. Can't see him or hear him. Okay. <laughs> Jeff? Hello, Jeff. Can you hear that? Oh, this is, this is awesome. I'll be right back. Hold okay. <laughs> All right. You know what? <laughs> let's, uh, and we're off. Okay, so let, let's get right into it. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit while we're getting Jim back on. Talk a little bit about the idea for this film, where it came from, how you did it, and how you kind of got it off the ground and out and everybody seeing it like they are. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. This Absolutely. Excited to be talking about the film. Um, so Chloe and I got married in 2016. And we wanted to have our first feature film be something that was a marriage of kind of both our loves. Um, so I love horror, or Chloe loves horror. Um, I love sci-fi and drama, thrillers. And we thought a psychological thriller would kind of be the perfect marriage of both of our interests. Uh, so we were laying in bed one evening and we were talking about how, how frightening it would be to wake up one day and not know who your spouse was. You know, like, what if they looked the same, but inside something had changed. Um, so that was kind of the genesis then for this idea of the honeymoon phase, you know, putting a young couple like ourselves into this experiment 
where they try to determine, you know, why couples fall out of love. You guys have the weirdest pillow talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so the, now usually when an idea like that forms, especially if you've seen this film, uh, you know that when that idea forms, something had to be going on. Uh, you were either drinking or there's something that had to happen to make this reality a, a reality. LSD. <laughs> no, we uh, completely sober. You know, both of us actually, we're, we're very boring, you know, as a couple. Like, it, it's funny. We made this film that has all this crazy stuff happening in it. But as Jim can attest, you know, I don't think we drank a, sing a single night, you know, of the shoot. Uh, this is like my first beer in a while. And uh, I'm excited to have it with you guys. <laughs> Great. That Jeff and I make up for it. So it'll be okay. Right. Uh, Jim, I'm, I'm looking at your face and thinking you probably make up for it too. You probably help us make up for it. Dude, me and half <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Great. So you guys are thinking about this. You're talking about it. What if uh, you wake up, the spouse looks the same, but they're gone. Uh, how long had you guys been married at this point? A couple weeks. Wow. <laughs> okay. So you, know, so, so you were headed towards disaster right off the bat. <laughs> so we're an international couple. Uh, Chloe's from the UK. We had an extremely short engagement. So I think, like, uh, because of the immigration process, I mean, our engagement was – well, not even the engagement part. The dating portion was <laughs> – I'm embarrassing her now. Uh, <laughs> Portion was short, but our engagement. Oh, we haven't even started the show, Chloe. You're about <laughs> to be embarrassed, so. But our engagement was like over a year because of immigration. I'm so glad this is live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have hate to have edited it. <laughs> so, you know, you're constantly, when you're in an international relationship like we were as young people, um, you know, who got engaged pretty early on, a lot of people question your relationship and like, do you know each other really well? So I think that was something that was in the back of our minds. Even though when we got married, we had known each other for two years at that point, the pretty much early parts of our relationship were people being like, ah, you know, is, is it a green card or, or, you know, that kind of talk, you know, no. is there something deeper, you know, that the other person wants. Um, so the honeymoon phase, I guess, is a weird externalization of the crap that people were talking to us about. <laughs> I never, I never thought about that, actually. It's like this uh, feeling that you have to prove that you're in love just because you're international, you know, and like everyone's super suspicious and you're like, I don't know how to prove it, you know? Like, well, just... a, a lot of us watch 90 Day Fiance, and when I say a lot of us, I mean me. So uh, I, yeah. I love that show. I, that I can't get enough of it. That was my pleasure over lockdown, pretty much. Like, pretty much March to May every evening it would be animal crossing and 90 day fiance it's so embarrassing but that, yeah, no you know. it's not because there's some great storylines there that guy with no neck we, we'll get into that later but uh, uh oh it's it's amazing uh so you know and, and and i understand what you mean chloe uh you know when people say that my wife and i met uh we dated for three months i was on a field exercise with the military for a month and a half of that and we've been married 24 years now um, but a lot of people were like, you know, what are you doing? What you don't even know this person. And you, I think no matter how much, you know, this person, Jeff, I think you can attest to this, no matter how much, you know, the person you really know them after you get married, you learn them after you get married and you, you start seeing all those different things that you didn't see when you had stars in your eyes. So, 
Um, not that that's a bad thing, but I think you start to see that. So, Jim, uh, you are married. You have a child, right? I am. My wife and I just celebrated our seven-year anniversary, and we have a 15-month-old son. That is excellent. Also, I have a bone to pick with you. It's not a creepy background. Those are actual movies. They were premieres that I went to, and they were great. That's the fear.com. Uh, oh, yeah, movie. yeah. Yeah, so it's not creepy. Okay, take it easy. No, no, the posters are creepy. The wall's awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> Give me a Hey, he's pretty creepy, too, so yeah, it all matches. Well, you know. We can get into it later, but um, Halloween's his favorite holiday, and, and no one goes all out than him we'll get into that later maybe if we have some time but it's he's a he's a horror film fanatic well so jim i think right off the bat jeff has a couple questions for you that he wanted to ask you that he's been waiting for you to get on here and ask and i think it's about your earlier career oh yeah tell us about your 2016 award for was it lot lena oh uh lot elena uh oh wow you really fucked that up jeff <laughs> he knew what I was talking about. <laughs> Everyone fucks it up, just like my name. Uh, it's a it's a competition put on by the Kurt Vile Foundation. Um, it's a singing acting competition. You have to present an opera aria and uh, two different musical theater pieces and a Kurt Vile piece, and you present them all in this um, concert venue, and you're judged based on your ability to sing the different pieces, your ability to act in different styles, and then you're awarded. And it's it's a way to uh, encourage young artists who move through multiple genres and do a lot of different things between acting and singing and uh, encourage them because it has really nice cash prizes. Uh, I won in 2016, which was my fourth year entering. Um, but the Kurt Vile Foundation... I'm actually working with them right now and singing commissions for new composers uh, to get their work out to people when there's nothing happening during COVID and to give artists who are currently struggling to find work, work. So they're a wonderful nonprofit organization. Their website's totally free and it has thousands of scores, scripts, and songs for anyone interested. They have a whole ton of information and they do this competition every year. Uh, that sponsors young artists and they work with all sorts of companies across the, the country and they're, they're great. I love working with them. Well, that's cool. That seems to be like uh, a very versatile award to win. So congratulations. That shows your range, your singing abilities and your acting abilities. And uh, you were also really great in this film. Both you and Chloe were fantastic. Y'all had some great, great chemistry in my opinion. Well, thank you very much. I, I really got a, I was telling um, Phil the other night when we were talking, I got a uh, Leo DiCaprio uh, <laughs> vibe from you. I, I don't know if that's embarrassing or what, but I really did get that. Um, and, and there was so much, I, I was telling Phil, there's so much with your face and your body uh I love the way you moved your body in those uh, athletic outfits. Chloe, we'll talk about those in a minute, the athletic outfits. Uh, so what I mean is your face and stuff that, that you had, there were scenes where you would, 
your character changed and you could tell the character was changing just from your facial movements, just from how you contorted your body. That was absolutely amazing. And I got a lot of feeling of, I was telling Phil of the shining, uh, when, as, as Jack is starting to change and, and, and go into his manic phase and stuff. So very much. So we, we, both Jeff and I love, uh, your acting and yours, Chloe, in this film. Thank you. Those are great comparisons. I'll never take complaint. Thank you. So, Chloe, let's talk about the athletic outfits for a minute. Uh, I heard that you weren't a big fan of them. No, I was um, I was asking Phil, like, what he imagined, and I was like, please be black, because, like, I'll just look so thin and black. Um, <laughs> I was like, really want black, and he was like, oh, no, white and, like, skin-tight white. And I was like, what? And I was so mad at him. I was like, how could you do this to me? Like, I, I won't look good in that. And then I lost so much weight because I was so worried about, like, how I would look. Um, and I had, like, three pairs of spanks on. I had, like, one <laughs> like a T-shirt spanks that, like, pulled in, like, was not great for me here because it just went... <laughs> And like, and then, uh, like my, I already like don't have a butt, but the spunks like sucked it in, so I just looked like, like that. It was it was awful. Um, but uh, but I guess it looked good. The white, well, well, right? When so. we talked to Phil, we talked to your husband the other night, and he said through that whole film that he, he thought you were smoking hot, and that's <laughs> what I did. But I will say, both you you guys have been phenomenal. Say. Uh, Jeff, you looked great in this too. Did you did you work out and get in shape we're, for this? We're we're both fans of your body, Jim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what can we say? No, seriously, I, like I appreciate it. Phil made me put on fifteen pounds for the role. How many? Fifteen. Uh, and and I don't don't mean like muscle weight. I had to. He told me to stop working out for three months and start eating more pizza. <laughs> because he really? didn't want to look like he worked out every day. And I'm a personal trainer. Um, and, and then he made his wife uh, starve herself and wear three <laughs> pairs of Spanx. Okay. All right. We see where this is going. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, yeah, no, I had a really long conversation early on. And I said, I don't think I physically fit the type of an out of work writer. And there were scenes where my body's going to be seen. And I didn't know what the costume was at the time, but I knew there were nude scenes that were going to be there. And I said, I don't, <laughs> I fit that, and Phil said, "Oh no, you definitely don't." So stop. <laughs> okay. And that was uh, what three months out from shooting, I think. Yeah, I, I think That's so. And so, did you do that? Did you eat pizza? Did you stop kind of working out? And I did. Wow. Okay. I wish so I could you, not you work out and uh, wear an outfit like that. I, I got to tell you. My wife was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> we have ruined so many marriages with this movie already. Well, Jim, you had to grow that beard too during the holidays. I did, and that was the worst part of the whole thing. Uh, this, I've, I can't grow facial hair. Okay. And I spent three months growing the beard you see, which we cut out of ninety percent of the film anyway. <laughs> and for, Shooting, I had this ugly, scraggly beard that does not even remotely compare. Uh, oh, I've been working on this one for like a week, so right, yeah. <laughs> um, I can tell, yeah, 
I spent I spent three months and uh, it was horrible. That's not a bad thing. I've I've got a literally the five o'clock shadow is that's what I get every day. It, it's quite miserable. So, um, but no, it, you have a young looking face. Nope, little peach fuss. So that that's good. It keeps you young. Well, we actually got someone else on the show that said uh, you remind them of Matt Damon. I've gotten that comparison too. Oh, cool brag. Thanks. Hey, Andrea. Yeah. Cool, cool brag, Jim. So you're a personal trainer and you look like Matt Damon. We got it. You're a cool guy. We get it. And he can sing and he can act. Like, damn. Yeah. I'm- you can sing and act. We get you're it. You're the total package. Okay. You're an ass. <laughs> <laughs> so um in, in talking, so we, we start shooting the movie. And uh, how long was the shoot? Twenty days. Okay. And so what kind of hours are we talking about for that 20 days? They were 12 hour days. So we, we kept it strict to 12 hours. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, you felt every one of those 12 hours, I'm sure. We, uh, because of the schedule, um, we didn't do like your typical Monday through Friday. So we would have like four days for the first part of the shoot. Then we took two days off and then it was six days two days off, six days, and then I think the final leg of the shoot was, what was that leave us, five, six? Seven. I'm a filmmaker, not a mathematician. Okay, um, you're right. I already lost track, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was an odd schedule, so like those six-day weeks by the final day, you were ready for that weekend. Like that, was, it, it was tough, uh, especially, I'm sure, for Jim and Chloe. I mean, you guys were pretty much in every single scene of the movie. Right, pretty much, yeah. And the crazy thing, you say 12-hour days, but sometimes it was 12 hours. We'd get up at 6, and we'd finish by 6, but then we'd be up at 3 o'clock in the next morning to be on set by 5 for a 5 to 5 day. Yeah. Eight-hour time period never actually lined up. Right. Yeah, the travel time, because sometimes we were in the house, sometimes we were in the middle of uh, Philly shooting a wedding scene or something crazy. That was the day after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. We actually went <clears throat> down to Philly, and uh, the whole you know cast and crew had a big Eagles party that our oh. put on after we. What, what are we doing here? What and, are we doing? Uh, Come on! We, yeah, I'm sorry, oh, guys. Man. Freaking <laughs> Eagles! I watched but, a guy uh, eat horse crap after that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should be embarrassed. You should be ashamed of yourselves to let Philly <laughs> act like that. Oh, well, we saw the aftermath of it because it was a Super Bowl and then everybody went to bed and we were up by like three to drive down to the city. And it was like the walking dead down there, like the city was destroyed. And we were at the top of the tower um, in Philly. It was one Liberty. um, And we're just driving in and you see, you know, light poles down and, you know, cop cars on fire. It was really, really crazy. Hey, you know, when you win the Super Bowl, just let's riot and have some fun. That's what. Hey, Phil. Just let you know, uh, Aloka is checking in. He wanted everyone to know. He said hi, and and uh, he. I I put it up here. He's he uh, he says what's up, (laughs) motherfuckers. Just checking in before he goes. He goes to another (laughs) Zoom, and he does Zoom. Let me just tell you, I don't know how many meetings you've had with him over Zoom or anything. Have have you talked to him over that? He does that because he has really shitty Wi-Fi, and. we tried to put him on this show, on this 
and and he just couldn't do it. So every time we talk to him, we have to talk to him in Zoom. But we absolutely love Alok and everything that he does for us and all the people that he introduces to. Without him, we wouldn't have met you guys and seen this fantastic film. Now, I had seen the trailer before he said anything, and I wanted to see it, but he really kind of pushed it forward. So, um, And I think, is your wife's name Joan, Jim? Yes. Okay, so she is going back to what you said and saying uh, the scene competition is completely free to enter. So if you want to mention that again real quick. Yeah, I did see someone have a question about... Uh, uh, yeah, right there. Does the, it cost the artist money? It does not at all. It is completely free to enter. Uh, however, once you are in the competition, if your initial submission makes it past into the semifinals, uh, you have to travel to New York to do those live. Um, and they give you a small travel stipend. So if you're not from New York, because we had people from India, um, China, uh, Brazil, who all competes in international competition, uh, they give you a small travel stipend. And then if you make it to the finals, it's held in up, upstate Rochester, New York. Uh, and again, they give you a certain amount of tra travel stipend, but anything past what they offer you uh, comes out of your own pocket. So no, it doesn't cost to enter, but um, traveling to the live locations could cost you depending on what the travel is, but the I mean the top prize this year is going to be twenty thousand dollars. Well, when you won it, what was the prize? If you don't mind saying, what was the uh, prize when you won it? My year was the nineteenth, eighteenth year, which was the year before they upped the prize. So I won fifteen thousand dollars. Nice. That's a that's a good little help. Good chunk of money. Yeah. We we bought our house. Oh, awesome! awesome. Yeah. Now, Jim, are are you residing in New York? I know you're from New York, right? Or where are you at? Now, I'm from Colorado originally. Okay. Uh, my wife and I live in Hamilton, New Jersey. Okay. So about now we're trying to ride into the city, and it's near the school she teaches at. Cool. Uh, we we put a down payment on our house, so it was great. That is great. That I mean, that, that really comes in handy. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, one more thing before Lok got out of here. He said, damn, uh, it's the fault of the valley for my shitty internet. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just want to give a... Uh, a quick shout out to Aloki uh, for introducing us, and also uh, he's just an incredible producer. We met him at uh, Other Worlds Film Festival in Austin back in December uh, when he brought his film One BR, and uh, he's just been an incredible uh, friend to us over the past few months with, uh, you know, helping make connections and uh, mentor us through the release of our first feature. Um, they. Uh, the one BR team has the same distributor as we do, Dark Sky Films. Um, so Alok was kind of like the guinea pig, I guess, going through it first for us, and and he's kind of kept us up to date with how he's making out. And um, their films amazing too, especially you know, you would never know that their films a first feature. Uh, David Marmer, who directed it, just did an incredible job, and they were actually number one on Netflix uh, last week. Uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Well, you, you couldn't tell yours was the first feature either. There's no way you could, someone could tell that that was a first feature. Very kind. Thank you. We had an incredible team behind us. Uh, just everybody that worked on the film uh, really brought their A game. And so many of us, it was our first feature, you know, our composer, Chris, it was his first feature. Um, our production designer, Dave, it was his first. Um, Jim, I think this was your first feature as well. I know you have a, a lot of uh, repertoire on, on stage, um, but I feel like we all had something to prove. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I agree with what with, with Dustin is. Um, um, so I was talking to my wife about, you know, I was doing some research uh, this evening and finished, uh, went back and made some notes and was telling her all about this and had your, your synopsis and all this stuff. And then 
Oh, it's like this is his first feature film, and you would never know. Uh, and then when I looked up Jim, your your stuff, I know you've done a lot of Broadway, you've done some television, you've done some different things, and then I, I thought this was your first feature film as well, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. And Chloe too. So you you cannot tell, um, and that's a uh, testament to how how good you guys were. And um, there must have been some great chemistry on set. And um, uh, you guys, yeah, it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. Do you have, uh, Chloe, I, I know that you have some stuff. I want to talk about what you have in the works because your husband kind of filled us in the other night, but I want to talk to you in depth about it. Jim, do you have anything in the works? Uh, I'm, I'm currently uh, doing a lot of small projects. I'm doing a commission for the Kurt Vile Foundation. I have an audition for a CBS TV show next week because film and television is trying to come back right now. And it's, a mess. Right. they are doing some small auditions and such, which is great. And doing some readings over zoom, everything's over zoom or. Um, oh, Alok is, uh, he's in charge of most of those then. Alok. <laughs> I uh, check with him every week, but um, yeah, good, good. Uh, Chloe, I'm sure you've got a lot more going on, honestly, than I do. <laughs> Uh, no, I well, I so I wrote my first feature film because uh, me and Phil have a totally different tastes and genre, and um, I shot the feature the the I didn't shoot the feature film <laughs> I shot the short uh, film version of the feature that I wrote, and we're gonna we put that into the festival circuit, and we're gonna use it as a proof of concept, uh, and it's gonna have a it's gonna get rewrote in the next few months um, to make it more horror because it's reading very. Um, it's not reading horror enough and I feel like uh, it will do better if it's in a specific genre as we found with the honeymoon phase you know it's like people who like love diehard horror they want like horror horror and I was just like a thriller with some horror but you know for some horror fans they're like oh this isn't enough horror or like this is too much horror for like thriller fan. it's I don't know like so um, I think that we could market it better as a horror film and uh, the story is about this vampire and uh, she's like pretty awful human being and she meets this uh, human nurse and they fall in love like she's technically her hostage in like her human blood bag at one point but she falls in love with her and they learn, you know, it's like, oh, they learn the differences through being together type of thing. But it's really messed up and it's a horror film. So uh, <laughs> I pitched it awfully. And again, so glad this is live. I'd watch You're having me at vampires. I, I love vampire werewolf films. Uh, I'll watch all I can get. So uh, you had me at vampires. So, so she kind of has Stockholm Syndrome. She gets that a little bit, I guess, about... Yeah, it definitely deals with like themes like that because she's also not allowed to leave. So it's like, oh, you've fallen in love with someone who's been nice to you, but also you're kidnapped. Um, so that's definitely something that comes into it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a really, um, you know, it's going to be a real cool tale to watch and then it and how it ends and their journey together and uh, how the characters change if they do. Um, and I hopefully can share the trailer soon. I'm just waiting for a festival premiere and then I will give it to you guys. Yes, uh, awesome. Awesome, I'm that'd be great. To release it. 
So, so I guess you already have then your actors and everything picked for the movie because because you've shot the concept and everything. So, are you going to stay with those? I, I, we're not sure how that works. Are you going to stay with those actors? Are you going to change it up? Are you going to add new? Do you need new a characters in? Boy, like. <laughs> Hey, there! Hey, listen. There's this guy. Wait, Chloe. Listen, <laughs> Chloe. There is this guy named Jim. Okay, uh, he's out of Philly. He sings, he dances, and he acts. Also, he's in amazing shape. <laughs> so, if you have any stunts or like you need someone to have their shirt off walking around, that's your guy right there. Do you need a singing pizza delivery? Yeah. Guy? <laughs> <laughs> he's actually out of New Jersey, my friend. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, I said he was from uh, New York at first because when I looked up, it said New York on his profile. All of them. They're fine. They're good. They're great. So um, go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, well, you guys, when you did your proof of concept for honeymoon phase and some of the stuff that you did that, the actors you ended up casting in those roles are different, but you ended up using a lot of those actors that were in the proof of concept in other roles, right? Yes. Yeah, no, uh, Mike Sutton, who was in our proof of concept that we made for the, um, it, it was a competition being run by Shudder and Project Greenlight at the time called the Real Fear Horror Competition. And we shot a proof of concept for them. And Mike Sutton, who plays the role of the director in uh, that proof of concept, then came back to shoot a new role in the honeymoon phase that Jim was saying. He plays that guy with the, God, the worst death stare imaginable. Uh, who comes to the door one night and oh, uh, yeah, that was, he's, uh, he bounces his uh, wife's head off the yes. front door <laughs> when, she, when she was tripping and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he he was nice enough to help us with the proof of concept, and then we found a way to get him into the feature also. Um, and that it, it's funny that proof of concept really led to the movie getting made, even though we didn't win the shutter competition. We did make it to the top five, which got us into a fellowship that shutter was running at the time. And we met some amazing filmmakers there, uh, like uh, Mike Flanagan, Jen Wexler, uh, Larry Fessenden, mm-hmm. um, all these horror icons, both you know uh, from the previous generation and new up-and-coming filmmakers. And uh, all of them gave us kind of pointers on what to do for our first feature. So it was really instrumental in helping to get the film off the ground. <laughs> so let's talk about proof of concept real quick, because I don't, I don't think, I think a lot of people think like you write a script, you shoot it, and that's it. So let's talk about proof of concept for just a minute. Um, kind of explain what that is, and is it just like letting people know, hey, we made a movie. This is what we, this is our kind of idea of what it's going to be, uh, but things could change. I think there's a lot of different approaches you can take to it. Um, for us, it was kind of like a pitch videos set within the universe of the honeymoon phase. Uh, Chloe and I are getting interviewed, um, kind of like Tom and Eve are interviewed in the film as potential candidates for this experiment. And within our proof of concept, it was candidates for uh, the shutter competition that was being run. Uh, but for Chloe with Alicia, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. She made legitimately like a short film version of it as her proof of concept. Yeah, so it's just kind of a different version of a proof of concept. Like you can kind of pitch it as yourself, as the director, or you can just do a short film version. And ours is like a 10 minute version of the feature film. Although the 
the newest version of the feature is reads differently and the ending's different and there's different, but the characters are the same in the proof of concept. Uh, so it's just a way to like visually show investors like this is what we're going for. This is the style. Um, it'll most likely be the same crew. So what you're seeing is kind of like what you're going to see when we have the money to make the feature film. Um, and just to get them in that mood to, you know, invest. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another one too called a rip reel that a lot of Hollywood directors will do where you take clips from pre-existing movies and cut your own trailer basically for your project using these pre-existing clips. Um, so a project that I'm working on right now, I was working on my own rip reel to try and get that off the ground. Um, because it can be really expensive to shoot a proof of concept or to shoot, a, you know, a fake trailer. So uh, Ryan Johnson did one for Looper. That one's like really famous. You can find that on Vimeo. Um, there was a, I forget uh, the gentleman's name, but there was a director in the running for The Hunger Games. And you can find his rip reel on YouTube um, as the proof of concept for The, the Hunger Games. Um, so that's another approach that you can take. There's lots of different ways to do a proof of concept. And so when you when you make these proof of concepts, I, I guess like the rip reel, that's the one that I'm kind of having trouble wrapping my brain around. So you're taking clips that would be a scene in your movie or it, it closely resembles it or it's kind of like finding finding clips that stylistically fit the feel of the story you're trying to tell. Okay. And then you'll tie them together through like voiceover. Um, in order to tell kind of like a visual, uh, it's almost like a visual lookbook. Um, so like the Looper one, uh, Ryan Johnson has sketches of a couple of the scenes um, set to voiceover. And then he has clips from um, like David Fincher's Seven um, and a few other films that are in there uh, to kind of sell the look and feel of the world that he's trying to, you know, <laughs> Jim's got his buddy there. Yeah, but um, because when you're, when you're, Pitching yourself as a director, sometimes it can be difficult to be on the same page as somebody with what you're visualizing. You know, it, somebody will read a script and, uh, you know, 10 different directors would direct it 10 different ways. So a rip reel is kind of a way to get on the same page stylistically by showing, you know, potential investors, you know, this is the visual style that I'm picturing. Um, so if you do invest in the movie, this is kind of what you have to expect. Um, so we Go ahead. Go DJ. ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. So I was going to say, so with, with your film, getting, let me be off, off proof of concept per se, but into the schedule and how, how long you had and all that. Um, and I guess learning or not, maybe not learning you knew, but figuring out how to balance the budget, the time, and then the length. What, how was it anything close to what you first thought it would be and how much did it change from there? Well, believe it or not, we originally thought it would be 21 days to shoot. And because of our amazing AD, Ben Samuels, and our line producer, Jess Weiss, uh, we were able to get it down to 20 days, which is pretty crazy. So a, a lot of films, I feel like, run over the schedules. We actually came in a day early, which allowed us to, uh, you know, use that final day to kind of decompress, you know, slowly move out of the house and everything. Um, so that, you know, we kind of learned, I guess, how to be efficient. Uh, you know, our, our Ben Samuels, our AD, did a fantastic job with keeping the efficiency on set. Um, I think that one of the things that we did, but it also kind of confirmed uh, for us how important it was, was rehearsals. Um, Jim was gracious enough to give us five different rehearsal days prior to the shoot, 
um, where we would meet like once a week in our executive producer's office space and really run all the key scenes and block them out using office furniture. And then I would film it on my iPhone. So I had pretty much an iPhone version of the honeymoon phase that for each day of the shoot, I would show our DP and Ben, our AD, um, you know, what I was thinking for the shots and the blocking and everything. Um, so those rehearsals really allowed us to be efficient, I think, because we kind of came in each day knowing, you know, one path that we could take, but that then also allowed us to have fun and experiment because we had kind of a, a baseline version of the scene down. So then Jim and Chloe had the freedom to really play. Yeah. There's a follow-up question too, um, you know, I guess in the independent film or, or something like this, reshoots are probably impossible. How do you handle, do you try to reshoot like once you're in that scene, if you don't like something, did y'all come back at the end or did you not even need to do any of that? I think if, uh, you know, when, when we do our next film, that's something that I would love to budget in and, and kind of put in, you know, everybody's contracts is like, okay, these are dates you know, three months down the line that we can have, you know, a weekend to reshoot some stuff if we need to. I think that would have been really beneficial. Um, what we did on this one was Ben was able to basically give me half a day, the final week of the shoot to reshoot anything that we needed to reshoot. Um, so there was, it was really only one scene that we shot some portions and then a lot of different pickup shots that we, you know, found. We kind of kept a log throughout the shoot of like, oh, it'd be nice to get this or be nice to get that. Uh, so Ben carved out that time for us to do that at the end. Yeah. So talking about scenes, let's uh, let's go into these uh, because Phil, when we talked the other night, I said there's a huge one on my mind, a question that I just feel like I have to ask. And Jim and Chloe, this is going to be towards you. So <laughs> there's a there's a lot of sex scenes in this movie. Um, Did you know there was one that was cut? I did not know that, but thank you. Oh, two that were cut. Oh, great. Okay. So, uh, Phil, you knew about those. <laughs> Wait a minute. I just want to make sure, Phil, you knew that there was two cut ones, right? Not just one, right? I I know the one. What's the second one? I, I don't consider the second one that Chloe always talks about as a sex scene. I don't. It's just nudity okay. for the sake of it. I okay. Right. Just uh, nudity. It's okay. Nudity. Okay. Yes, it goes into a sex scene. Okay, so the, the question that, that really, like, especially since I knew going into the movie that it was the husband directing, the wife was, uh, you know, the the lead, one of the lead stars, co-lead stars, and I thought, I don't, I don't know how you could do that as a husband. So we'll start off the question with, Phil, how do you compartmentalize and, and set these scenes up? And then Chloe and Jim, how do you guys not be completely uncomfortable with the camera right there, the crew. And of course I'm sure it's very unsexy in the moment because there's crew around and everything like that. But her husband is filming you. And I hate to make that sound <laughs> in a bad way. Cause I don't, I don't mean that, but I just wonder how you get through those scenes because a lot of those scenes um, push this story along. I think that it's a major point of this story to push it along. They, uh, I will really quickly just throw in my two cents because Phil, I know you and Chloe have so much more to add to this, but um, when I first got the script, because I, I did the initial audition, and Phil and Chloe sent me the whole script, and they said, We want you to read this before the callback so you know what the whole thing is about and how everything progresses and what these scenes mean within the whole story. 
Uh, and I read it, and within the first 10 pages, there was a scene, and I went, oh, wow, that's <laughs> a lot to do. And then I read page 25 and went, oh, there it is again. And <laughs> and I went, oh, man, I don't know. And I, I uh, took it to Joan, my wife, and I said, hey, how do you feel about this? And she said, is it a good role? So, yes. She said, do you like the people you want to work with and do you trust them? Yes. And she said, okay, well then go for it. And I support you. What's you going to do? And at that point when my wife said, it's okay, I trust you. At that point I went, all right, fine. Then it's, it's going to be fine. Cause if, if I'm in control of what I'm going to do and I know what's going to happen and my wife's not worried about it or uncomfortable with anything, then it'll be okay. Because it's never going to get to a point where it's weird, especially since it is the two of them and they've been working on the script together for, my God, what, like two years before? Yeah, I think at that point when we shot. Yeah. But there was a lot of, and again, as Phil mentioned, we had five rehearsals over two and a half months where we really had time to kind of talk through stuff and and think about it. For me, that set up the trust aspect that made it all okay to get into a situation where you know okay no we're not really doing this and it's really unattractive because there's like six camera guys all around us <laughs> i can't even like move my hand a certain way because it blocks a camera so this is really not fun and so chloe let's let's kind of get your side of it and then phil of course you can you can finish up cool <laughs> So I think like the first one we did that was actually cut, that was the one where I was like the most nervous because that's the first time. Yeah. Uh, and then it feels really weird, especially when there's like a... Which a, was day two of filming. Yeah. It yeah. was like right into it. And then there's something yeah. weird about being uh, an actor. Nothing like jumping in with both feet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then there's just that moment where you just take your clothes off and you... You, you know, the crew can all see you and you're just like, all right, well, I've done it now. You know, here we go. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, I, that, I think that was the most nervous for me, Jim, the first time. And then the, by the the rest of them, then I just kind of, then it was just like, oh, I've done it now. Like they've seen what we look like. And it's, and it's not sex, sexy at all. It's like stupid and funny because like, you know, Especially in the second one, where there's like doggy style. Like I was like, Jim, can you like? I'm glad you mentioned that oh, one because we need to talk that, about that. that uh... I was like, can you shake me a little bit because I, I feel like I need some kind of momentum. Like, yeah, I uh, feel stupid. <laughs> By the last scene we filmed, it just started to get really like funny. We're like, all right, here it comes, everybody. <laughs> And the whole crew was going, oh, God, you too. Can you God, again? <laughs> so let me follow up with that. Is is this the first time y'all have done a nude scene at all? In any any roles you've done? Yeah. So that must... Um, I think Jim's still thinking. Yes. I think that. Remember that one time we did porn? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <before> we- <laughs> Gotta eat. Yeah, well, hey, Cinemax is still making movies, so, you yeah. know. This was the first nude scene I'd ever done. And let me ask you too, or, or I mean, I guess depending on the situation, this is, you're completely nude or do you have some coverings of any sort on body parts or no? I had like I, a tiny like stick on thong almost that kind of just 
covers me there. Um, but yeah, that was it. It was pretty much. So you... we had what was going to be a, they call it a uh, modesty sock, I think. <laughs> so oh, it's no. like a gym sock with like three lines and. Uh, it, it basically just kind of looks like, uh, I don't know, for all the nerds out there, if you have a like dice for your D&D, it's basically what you put your dice in with a little pulls <laughs> on it. Oh, uh, I know what you mean now. Okay. You know I mean, nerds unite. And uh, um, they, the, the uh, costume designer who did a lovely job on so many things uh, ordered one that was purple with gold tassels with little skulls on the end. And, oh, so like a Crown Royal bag. Yeah, I mean, I might as well have put my D&D dice in it because I couldn't do it for anything else. And <laughs> the question for the day of filming came up, well, this is going to show up in any shot we do. Can't avoid it, and it's weird, and it also is not staying on, so we're just going to get rid of it. So I was completely nude for all of those shoots. But the, also the discussion came down to, we can try to make this work and figure it out. Is Chloe going to be okay with this? Is Phil okay with this? Is our producer okay with this? What do we need to do in terms of making this work? And Chloe was amazing uh, and really put up with all of my discomfort with the, the choices that were made on that. And uh, we made it work. And it was, uh, again, I, there's, I don't know if there's another team that I would have been okay working with in this environment and that way, because that was an issue that on most sets I've worked on, they would have shut down everything for two days to readdress. And the two of them talked about it and figured it out and everyone addressed it. And it was, uh, it's the most safe I've ever felt, which was really awesome on a set. Well, kudos to you guys for that because um, it is, it looks extremely authentic and natural and, you know, not a weird thing to say, but um, it, it really did. And I think there takes a lot of bravery and courage and humility to do that. I mean, I'm serious, like uh, that, you know, in the, the dynamics of both, you know, you and Chloe married and your wife involved, and then, you know, it's a story about marriage and honeymoon. So um, it's very interesting how that dynamic ties in in your personal lives. And it's it's on the screen. And I would even just say, like, I guess your first first kiss once you guys uh, woke up in, in the house, that was extremely quality i mean y'all eyes locked it was filmed wonderfully phil um and i uh, also thought that the sex scene the first one was you know when it's hot the fire was going it was dark and that set the tone for, hey this is the honeymoon phase we're in love and it was so authentic um i wouldn't have thought you weren't husband and wife in real life well, didn't you didn't you say you watched that scene like fifteen or sixteen times, Jeff? Yeah, <laughs> sixty, something like that. Like twelve, it's okay. Yeah, we know you love Jim's body, Jeff. So. Yeah. Hey, good looking out, man. I can call when the yeah. guys are uh, sexy. That guy, I you know if if he wasn't an actor, that guy could be a personal trainer. Wait, no, he is a personal trainer. <laughs> so with the with the honeymoon phase too, um, Phil loved to push us to like, oh, now you guys have done the sex scene, now you're gonna kill her. <laughs> a spoiler alert now for everybody. Well, I don't, I don't know that that's a, I don't know that that's a um, 
spoiler, really, because in the first movie, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and, and going into this and I, I guess the ultimate question behind this is what goes through your mind? How do you get ready for a scene like that? I know we've said, you know, you're like, okay, the crew see me, I'm good and everything, but what, how do you put yourself into that mind state? Cause like Jeff said, and I agree with him, it looked very real. It looked like you two were a very newly married couple. So what do you do in your brain to get ready for that for a murder scene or a sex scene uh, a sex scene let's start with sex scene and then we'll move to murder scene <laughs> both, both scenes of passion uh yes. uh, absolutely both yeah <laughs> um chloe go ahead um well we had so we had so long to work with each other before because of the rehearsal right so kind of get used to um one thing for me that really helped is just like hugging Jim in rehearsals and like getting used to like, cause you know when you like hug someone you don't know, it's like, oh, it's, it's not the same as when you hug like a family member or something. You're like, I don't really know you. So, but it's like, you just have to crack that like, uh, you know, they're my husband. Personal barrier. Yeah, so you just, yeah. So it was just kind of like, let's just hug and just like get used to like, touch not like not sexually just touching each other and not being like weird you know like like when i'm out in public with phil like you know when you just do little stupid things and you're okay being really close but if it's a stranger you're like i don't know so it's just little things like that and then once you you get that then i think it's easy you know because then you're like all right now just play in love uh but i think that's the the first barrier for me is just getting used to them and uh like jim was like my best friend on set like we you know trusted each other and we're doing like um sexual scenes with each other so it was kind of like and um there's a yeah, picture of a, used to each other. behind the scenes where we're like both asleep on a couch and your like head is on my shoulder and we're just like sleeping yeah yeah, yeah. and i think so jim uh same for you kind of the the same thing just having that that the comfortable the physical barrier, and and I think Phil, I think you talked about this in one interview we did, but um, in callbacks we were doing the scene, and I said, "Can we just do the scene again?" But can Chloe be holding my hand? Can I just hold her hand because I need that connection? And I think uh, I didn't even really think about it past the idea of an audition and what I needed. But Chloe, you're totally right in that the connection makes all the difference, and once you have that physical trust it makes it all kind of okay because you can pretend whatever you want at that point it's not like there's a mystery to it right so you know someone there's a mystery and that's i guess what makes all of the problems that happen and with so many people's lives happen but if there's a trust and you're like no this isn't an issue we know what this is and we're just gonna pretend now because we know it's pretend you can go there and again we filmed the final scene of the friggin movie was on day three because the first sex scene was on day two so the final one was on day three and uh <laughs> got there like 7 a.m and they're like okay chloe's still in makeup so you're gonna choke this pillow <laughs> while we film you from under the bed like okay that makes sense i guess <laughs> uh, but there was, a, there was already a great connection of we knew what the relationship was before we got into the room and it made it a lot easier. And as, 
I, my wife and I run a voice studio and an acting studio about our house. That's why we have this nice blue wall uh, for filming things. And we always say, as long as you remember that it's pretend, none of it matters. It's all okay. Right. So, you know. so I guess the, the follow-up to that question would be, so now we've gone through that and we've gotten through the awkwardness of those scenes. And you guys are... Friends, I, I think we can agree that you guys were all friends on scene. So how do you go from now you trust this person to do these things and now you've got to kill her? Because it's pretend. Okay. But, well, I mean, the, also the crazy thing is we did, um, if again, if I can do a spoiler, there's a fork stabbing scene where she's pulls a fork and she hides it and I'm threatening and intimidating and doing all this crap. And then she stabs me like, I think it's nine times I counted. It's insane. it's a bunch. It's a yeah. bunch it, was, it was like she was in jail, like with a ship. Janking <laughs> <laughs> away with this fork. But the thing is, is I was in a body suit that my, I, I stuck my head into and under and she was just stabbing a mannequin. Okay. So she could literally stab it. But it's it's pretend. So a lot of a lot of those things that look like real choking, I was choking a pillow. Right. Wow. That that's stabbing a mannequin. But the way the camera angles and the way that choreography is worked out with the stunt directors and such, it's not real. And as an actor, you're easily able to go, "Well, I can choke a pillow as hard as I want. The pillow is going to be fine, but it'll look really good on camera if I really choke it." Or she could stab a mannequin literally as hard or as many times as she wanted and it looks great but i'm not crying in agony so i think there's a great part of the magic of film work that allows us to separate ourselves from the reality of that it's like oh yeah i'll, I'll kill this pillow all day that's easy if it's actually in the couple scenes where you see my hands around her neck there's a very controlled way that's happening and that's why you don't see my face because I'm focused on not doing that. Right. But yeah, the up close shots are usually someone with a lot of things worked around it. And I think that for me always helps. There's a, there's a compartmentalized realization of things. And, and Phil, how, you know, from, from your perspective, we kind of talked about this. How, how was it for you? And you, you planned it obviously. And, and I think you mentioned you all only been married for two weeks at this point. And when we wrote it, or came <laughs> right. so yeah, so um, I mean, yeah, go through your thought process and how <laughs> this goes from a thought on paper to hey, this is really going to happen, and and the trust you had to have, or 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 the just you know being a true artist. Can I just say something really quick? When I first read the script, and I was like, oh, there's there's nudity in this, like what? <laughs> like, and then and then. I read the curl and iron scene and I was like, Oh yes. I was like, I'm not going to do that, Phil. I was like, take it out the script. Can <laughs> we talk about that for a minute? I'm glad you brought up the curling iron scene. Can we please talk about that for a minute? Because I saw that and was like, Holy shit. This just happened. And we talked to Phil a little bit about it the other night and he said that you, you said exactly what you said. There's no way I'm doing this. And he was like, he talked you into it. That has got to be one of the most visceral scenes in any movie that's come out in a while. And, and I was 
blown away in that scene. And and now I don't know when you're filming it if it looks exactly the same, but you're, I mean, you're right there, Jim, staring at her while she's doing this. I don't know if that's how it actually worked out as the filming, but that's at least how it was blocked out in the film where you can. <laughs> so you're standing there, Chloe. What first off, what made you say yes finally? And two, <laughs> and two, uh, how did you feel when the scene was over? Were you relieved? Were you what was it? Um, yeah, I think after I had like just an emotional breakdown after reading the sex scene, that they were white, like, like tight skin suits, and then seeing the you know, curling iron scene, I was just like, oh my god, like. This is too much. And then and then I really thought about it and I was like, you know, people are gonna say, Oh, it's that curling iron film. Like as a marketing thing. And I was like, that could be really good for us. Like Absolutely. They because they're like it's that really gross film with uh, you know, all the semen and the condom. Someone someone reviewed the yeah, film. I was like, we just got enough like gross, weird stuff in the film where people would watch it just for that. It's like, it's like when we were in high school and the Human Centipede came out. Everyone was like, oh, it's just so weird, and that's why you watched it. <laughs> yeah, like, that if you on? haven't seen that movie, it it will blow your mind too. Also, don't watch it. Just skip forward forty five minutes and then watch from there. I, I agree. The I agree. Not useful. And question though, for 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 Chloe, all you guys, if 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 I recall. Did you turn the curling on on hot or was it just I can't remember if it was on or you just used it as the tool? No, it was on and oh. you know, originally Phil was like, We should see it. We should see it go in. And no, like, no, we should not. No. I was like, <laughs> Nope, no, we can't do that. And he's like, We'll get a prosthetic and it'll look really gross. And I was like, No. <laughs> I was like, because I never heard that. it's mine regardless. <laughs> and I was like, and you can't show that. That's too much. I'm like, I'm sure they'll be just grossed out without seeing it. Um, so I, I won that argument. That was the only one. Uh, I'm glad you won it. Gee, many Christmas, yeah. Phil. What the hell is wrong with you, man? <laughs> Phil, so, that was a great scene, though. It really did absolutely. show. It, it, it was important to the film, not just a gimmick to make a name. Or, or to remember, it really was, this is how messed up all this is, and here's what I'm willing to do. And I, uh, that, that was a great scene. You need to be in the movie. So good job on that. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot because, it, it, you know, it is a very intense graphic scene. But as with all the controversial elements in the honeymoon phase, they're all story uh, motivated. You know, everything I think that happens that is, uh, you know, like the sex scenes, they're all, they all drive the story forward. The curling iron scene is kind of the culmination of the abuse that Tom has put onto Eve over the course of the 60 minutes prior to it. And I really wanted kind of a, a visualization of that abuse, you know, and, and have Eve kind of take her body back from him. You know, the entire film, he's very controlling of her to the point where he gets her pregnant. And that was kind of the big, in a way, a heroic moment for Eve. Like, it's, it's, it's very tragic and sad and horrible. But I think in her mind, it's also her taking back her, her livelihood, you know, her, her body from him. And not um, to give it away, he, he got her pregnant in a very deceptive manner without yeah. a cooperation of your, your partner. And we can, we, no spoiler, but that's the, that's, that's the 
really effed up thing about it, to, yes. <laughs> to be real honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then because because uh, some of the science fiction elements in there, the baby is also kind of a freak of nature in a way. Too. Right, yeah, it's like growing at an exponential rate at the, the same way that Tom's abuse is exponentially getting worse. How long was it before that I did it myself? Oh, like two months. So like also a uh, fun fact, uh, two months before we shot the film, um, I had a really bad accident where I spilled um, an extra large cup of boiling water on myself and it went all over my legs and my crotch. <laughs> and oh, no. it was really bad and I had really bad second degree burns. And the only, the only thing that was getting me through the pain is like, well, I'll know how to act that scene now. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> I and... know actually how bad it is. Like, um, so, yeah, I actually legit burnt myself there and then had to act like I was burning myself there two months later, um, which actually you can see in the film, like my legs, they're not scarred now, but they were like pretty fucked up. Uh, um, I don't even know if I'm allowed to swear. Oh, wow. We gotta, now we got to edit. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no, 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 you can edit my pitch from this. No, we, we, trust me. So, was there ever a point in talking about all these scenes and everything that we've done that you looked at Phil and thought, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Actually, um, no, because Phil like, did you ever sleep with like an eye open watching him or anything like that? Because Phil, I gotta give it to you, man. There's some stuff in this movie. Like, there's some next level shit in this movie. <laughs> well, thank you. A lot of people. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for noticing that about me. I've been wanting more people to say that about me. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of people would make fun of me saying, uh, you know, I, I had 12 years of Catholic education and they were like, this is my big coming out film where, you know, all that, all the suppressedness, you know, everything that was suppressed for 12 years is coming out on screen at once. But, uh, you know, I, depending on what the story is and what the genre is, you know, if, if you're going to go for it, you got to go for it all the way. And, you know, with this being a psychological thriller, you know, we, we wanted to go there in, in a marriage story, you know, so. Phil is, in real life, not uh, is the nicest, kindest person you'll ever meet. And people who watch this film are like, whoa, like, I just didn't expect this film to come from you. People think um, it, she is like the one manipulating the strings behind the scenes, being like, oh, she wrote the script and all that. But no, it was, it was all me because yeah. she's the horror lover. I, you should see my short films on Fair Crypt. Like, they're messed up, too. Oh, um, good. They're really messed up. I, uh, yeah. And what was that? Let, let's because I want to put that in the notes and stuff. What is it called? Uh, fair Crypt. Crypt. Okay. And yeah. uh, it's like a fearcrypt.com or? Yep. It's fearcrypt.com. And then all our social media and the YouTube channel is under Fair Crypt. And because I'm going to be honest, all your social media is like butterflies and stuff like that. So you're hiding. Look, both of you are hiding a very deep, dark secret. I have a feeling. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the butterfly aspect of this is fascinating um, with with mapping. And, and I actually was like when at the, I don't want to give away the last scene. It was like, you know, basically butter, butterflying and their, their mapping and, and, and their memorization or uh, – and I went researching, and sure enough, it's it's a pretty fascinating element to this. The butterflies are in the beginning. There's some, I think, behind Jim's desk, uh, you know, on the wall. It's on. It was like the way it was, like a stepladder. It was almost like a 
metaphoric thing, like going up. But uh, I thought it was great. And then I was like, that's some crazy shit. That's real, too. They can remember <laughs> their caterpillar, what they did. You know, that's crazy. Yeah, when I when I was writing the story, I, I tried to, you know, ground some of the science in reality. So, like, you know, we were talking about what kind of the origins of the experiment would be. I did some research into the uh, MK Ultra experiments that the CIA was doing. Oh, that, that that's going down a dark rabbit hole. Oh, it, yeah, it was. It was. We originally, in the first draft of the script, we had a prologue with the young director, and he was a scientist during the MK Ultra experiments. Um, and you see when his uh, his lover Samantha is killed um, due to one of the experiments that's happening. Um, but you know, going back to the butterflies, that was another thing too. Whereas you know, the science behind what the experiment was, I wanted to see if there was some kind of natural world thing that we could tie it to. And I found it really fascinating that there's this theory that butterflies have genetic memory, and that you know, it's passed down generation to generation. Um, so I'm glad that you enjoyed all the the, the butterfly metaphors in the film. I did, you know, there's some other stuff too that, first of all, in, in the opening scene to me, uh, I, wherever you filmed that, I think you said you filmed it in a tower in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you know it's twisting and whatever. And then it's like something's upside down and all around going to happen in this already. So I, I love that. And then also, also, too, you talk about the sports tight outfits, white tops, black bottoms. In the house, there's white, black, you know, good and evil. And I no thought, gray, yeah. I don't know if it was on purpose, but I thought that was a very good element of, uh, you know, a lot of white background. And the windows had, it was like a glass house, right? There were no curtains or nothing. So I thought those were really interesting elements that made the movie um, kind of come to life and in, in, in those things you look for. Um, and maybe they were intended, I don't know, but I thought they were really cool. No, I'm so glad that all of those, you know, stuck out to you. It's it's funny with the buildings. That's actually the first sex scene in the movie is the buildings. Uh, we, we would joke around. Because the two oh, tops yeah. cross each other? No, it was the buildings having sex with each other. Right. Um, but it, it, it's really symbolic of, you know, the two different realities, you know, uh, with, without spoiling it. There's, there's two different realities that are kind of competing in this film. And they're kind of coming together into this one. You know, fucked up situation um and then same thing with the house oh you know, great we wanted, now we gotta scrub that too <laughs> <laughs> we wanted the the house to be you know very much a glass house where you know people on the outside theoretically could see in and you know because this relationship's being studied um but at the same time we never see a relationship outside the house you know other than when that woman comes running to the door right um, racquetballed off the glass yes yeah and that was for that was a metaphor about how um, you know when you're in a relationship, nobody outside the relationship really knows what's going on inside your bedroom. And I wanted it to be that way in the film, where you know once Tom and Eve are in the house, you don't leave the house because this is their relationship, their you know quote unquote marriage, um, and we don't you know we don't see anybody else's bedroom and nobody sees theirs. Sure. Also, too, the, the architecture. Go ahead, Chloe. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was saying this live podcast is ruining um, our nice, innocent couple look that we've got. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you guys are on some kind of list somewhere. You guys are bound to go, wow, wow. Yep, no doubt. <laughs> like, who are these guys? Um. <laughs> Jeff uh, and Phil and Chloe, I don't know if I ever told you guys this during all the filming or anything because it's never come up. Jeff, you just said something. You said the, the white on top and the black on the bottom. And 
I tried to track my character throughout the story, Tom, throughout the story, as the more sexualized and frustrated and aggressive it got, the more he walks with his hips. So the <laughs> up top is always like, hey, how are you doing? What do you need? What do you not? And the bottom is always pushing and the legs start to move more aggressively. <laughs> I, I just rewatched it with my wife and she's like, why are you like swaggering through the house? like a Jersey asshole right now. Like, oh, oh, that's because they put me in skin tight black tights and I thought it was funny. <laughs> metaphor was like good on top, but really dark. On that's top. what I thought too. Good on top, but party going yeah. on down here. Down there, uh, it's, 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 it's evil. Said that. Yeah. At least to me, I've never heard anyone call me out on or like, bring it up in any larger metaphor but that was always my thought was like oh we're pleasant up top and we're really not down below <laughs> and then what what's down inside that heart could be black too you never know yeah exactly and my wife called me out on it and went ah damn it i didn't think i was that subtle so like, <laughs> and also too, i thought the architecture in the house the bookcase the bookshelves being all out of whack and the way the door was and it, it things were just it was meant, but it was just off. And I thought that was so, all these elements were saying, something's not right here. Uh, it, and I thought that was a really cool, very, very fascinating, uh, metaphoric, symbolic, whatever you want to say, uh, a way to film it. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Because it was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. And I think yeah. we, we talked the other night about, um, even the books on the the bookshelf, the the DNA. There was a book that stood out among all the other books that said DNA across it, and I think you know Jeff pointed out way more of the the hidden things. But there's Easter eggs all over this film, and that's what makes it so great. Because you know a lot of movies in this genre or whatever, you can watch and be done with it. This one has levels to it, so you can re-watch it over and over and go, I never noticed that the first time, I never noticed that the second time, now the third time. And there are, it, the story is so um, multi-layered like an onion. Like, you, you don't know who all these people, because no one in this movie is really good, I, I guess you could say, good or bad. I don't, I don't really know, because... The reason I say that is because you, you see Chloe's character change too, and she's good and righteous throughout the whole thing, but towards the end of the film, she will do whatever it takes to get away, which is a good thing, but she will let a dark side of her come out to get where she needs to be. Well, even from the, the very beginning of the film with Eve, um, you know, it was important to me to kind of have her be the... Uh, the adventurous one early on where Tom is a little bit more apprehensive about things. And it's right. the, it's the real Tom. Yes. Yeah. The real Tom. And, uh, you know, it's Eve's idea to lie to get in. So like from that first lie, you know, that kind of sowed the dark seed then of everything else that happened. So you're right with, with none of the characters are hundred percent innocent. You know, it, obviously nothing that happens uh, to Eve is deserved in the movie, but that lie kind of is the absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and even as, uh, because you're a writer, Jim, in the, in the movie and you're trying to finish your story, uh, and, and you see, even before they go into the experiment, I'm talking about while they're waiting to go into the experiment 
and she's trying to read through it and he's talking to her and he's nervous and she looks at him and tells him stop doing that so he starts doing something else she said i can't concentrate she always kind of pushed him forward to finish the story but was always kind of telling him on her terms like finish your story but you finish them on my terms is that a am i reading that right in in how she did it because she was always kind of telling him finish do this do that um it, would you say that that is where that character was going uh chloe honestly that's that's more a you question than me um i have to think about that one i know there was the dynamic of the dominant versus submissive that i had in the script where Eve is more of the dominant one in the relationship before they go into the experiment. And then that slowly flips specifically okay. when that first sex scene happens, Tom. Kind uh, of uh, yes. And you did a good job of that. I even wrote a note not to, that's basically, you know, when he's, you know, doggy style and yanking and doing his thing. Um, I even wrote down, uh, she said, uh, he, he said, everything okay. And then she said, it's not like you. So you had a clue right there, and then he was like, uh, "Thought you'd like it rough." It was you could tell the roles kind of switched, and maybe yeah. something's out of whack here. It's funny because, uh, and I know we filmed almost ten full minutes of the film that got cut before you see any of that. Um, there you see their entire relationship before any of this happens, but because of the way you know. Um, the film was being marketed in the way everything kind of needed to be told in a more succinct style. We, it got streamlined down. I shouldn't say we, you guys, it got streamlined. <laughs> I, I was just over here like, Oh, you cut that scene. Okay, cool. Uh, no, you guys, it was, it was a, it was a really well streamlined idea and, and so many things got worked in as flashback or information that we got in other ways. Um, but there's a lot of information you get that tells you kind of about that. That's going to be in all of the bonus features on September 29th. Yes. On Apple, Apple iTunes Plus. Yeah, so the iTunes version, the Apple TV iTunes, um, we we tag it as Apple TV because Apple wants it to be known as Apple TV going forward. But it's, it's classically iTunes. iTunes. Um, but the iTunes extras go live on September 29th, and that has the making of all the deleted scenes that Jim's talking about, including a, a alternate ending uh, that really highlights Francois, Tara, and Jim, uh, and what happens in that white room. Um, and uh, it's also going to be on DVD on the 29th also. So if you want to see the stuff, you know, the bonus features, it's the Apple TV iTunes version, and then the uh, the DVD will be out too on that same day. Yeah. The, the, um, in in the, the start of the film that we originally originally filmed with the sex scene that we caught, Phil was going to put it all in the deleted scenes. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, you're going to put a full sex scene in the deleted scenes where people are like, oh, I'll have a bit more. <laughs> that one not in there? No, I was like... Well, I cut it I cut it short, Jim. I, right, okay. like, right as the top comes off, it fades. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, there's just, there's good moments in the scene. I don't want the whole scene out there. Just... Like moments. Yeah. Pre, pre Jeff, let them fight this out. Shh, don't say anything, Jeff. Let them fight this out. <laughs> and he was so I, mad at me. He was like, why? And I was like, I, I get final say. 
like on the next scene, I'm like, I don't think we need like a bonus sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> Those who are like, oh yeah, let's just watch another one. Like, like there's enough in the movie. Starship Troopers at this point, you're like, bonus sex scene, all right. Yeah. Maybe the bonus sex scene should have been a, a reversal of roles. You know, that would have been fascinating. Yeah. What, what maybe are we doing on the, uh, the ultimate director's cut down the line. We'll, I'm just we'll saying, you know, um, <laughs> maybe maybe uh, Eve's giving it to Jim. You just never know. Okay. We just talked about it. Turn. <laughs> Wait, and, let me ask you. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's Eve giving it to Tom. It's Eve giving it to Jim. <laughs> 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 I'm probably giving it to you personally. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, he's giving it to Tom. <laughs> he does yeah, I've this. I noticed that where some people refer to it's even Jim or there will be Tom and Chloe. Yeah, right. <laughs> you've, you've done yeah. it again, Jeff. Well, I got the character name right. It's true. This is true. But by the way, the the name even this is that was that you know Adam and Eve was Eve was it just a name or was that strategic? So I. I we had this conversation recently where we were trying to remember where we came up with the names from um, because I, I usually do have meaning behind the names. I would have to do like a baby name search and see what Eve's standing oh, for. Oh, we'll just look through uh, the, the notebook. There's tons of them in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I wanted one-syllable names. That was like one of the prerequisites. Uh, but, Jim, actually, maybe you can talk a little bit about the baby names in the book. because that's a Keep story. going. We'll come back to that. It's okay. <laughs> Did you do those, Jim? I did. Wow, that was a lot of baby names. Is that because? Well, I guess that would have been right around the time, right? That you? No, that was that was a full uh, almost like nine months before my wife and I even started. Oh, okay, I was going to ask him. Yeah, but I was really bored. when she was pregnant. Did you get the book back out? And you're like, let's let's have a look. No, no, it was going to be James. It was okay. <laughs> but uh there's there's uh Pikachu, Charizard, Blastoise, <laughs> uh Raichu, Goku. Okay, Jim, let's talk about your nerdum. Okay, because yeah. you've you've <laughs> leaked it out little by little. Let, let's go into depth how bad this is, okay? No, that's a whole show your cup, Jim. The whole other podcast. Go back to the other thing. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about this for a minute, dude, because I think that people, you know, want to hear about this. Uh, they want to hear about this. Look, I'm drinking water out of a, out of a Pikachu glass. Is okay. That right now? Okay. All right. You got to catch them all. So it's it's a Pikachu glass that my water is in. So okay. Yeah. All right. Questions about that? I, I do. I do. <laughs> Uh, Pokemon Go, are you a big fan? Uh, I am, yeah. And you still do it, or? Uh, I, I have a 15-month-old son, and daycare hasn't opened yet. So, maybe sometimes. like Okay, other... let's be honest on this show, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm be... Do you have a 15-year-old? Uh, a 15-month-old? 15 month old sure no i have a 14 year old i have all daughters i have three daughters i'm i misspoke i have a 15 month old whose hobbies are ripping pages out of books throwing things at the cats and generally destroying my house oh i have a seven-year-old that does the same thing yeah yeah exactly 
So, no, I don't play Pokemon Go a lot, but when I can, for five minutes, I do. And you're a D&D fan, too. I, I was, and I'm looking forward to getting back into it now that my son's back on a sleep schedule. You know, there's all kinds of online ones that you can do now. Uh, all, the only people I play D&D with are not in the same state I live in. So my brother in Colorado, we have a game going, and then my friend in Pittsburgh, we have a game going. But I haven't been able to join in the last month. It's been a rough month. And help help a guy out that, you know, kind of a jockey, sporty guy. Is D&D Dungeons and Dragons? Yes. Okay. Just making sure I understood what was going on. Oh, Jeff, we're going to get into this. Hold on. Let me peel back this onion. <laughs> What's your character? Uh, depends on the game. Okay. With your brother? Uh, with my brother, I am... Oh, God. I'm a level <laughs> four, uh, half orc, half human. Uh, I'm a berserker. And uh, my first interaction was with the character that my wife was playing in a cell. And I ate the head off of a rat to intimidate her. And it didn't work. So that's that's the character I play. All right. And on to the next topic, because I, I got a little deeper than I thought. Well, what uh, about you? Are you a D&D guy? I'm not, but I've noticed that a lot of these podcasters, we I, I'm friends with some guys that do the Basement Surge, and they are now doing a tabletop edition every Friday where they're doing like D&D stuff, and they're actually, they have a whole show based around it. Dude, it's nuts. It's like a whole thing. There's a, there's a really famous uh, celebrity that I'm trying to think that Vice did like a uh, they did like a uh, like a profile on them and and he has built an entire dungeon in his basement and like a full 3D model and everything of where they're playing and that's a that's a lot that's a lot of work. So yeah. we got a we got a comment uh, from Scout Kelly uh, drunk D and D on Christmas. Is cosplay is the greatest thing? <laughs> Cos so, cosplay. do you cosplay? Cosplay, my bad, Jim. No, okay, oh, don't look so crazy. We just talked about you eating the head off a rat to intimidate <laughs> your wife. Cosplay is not that crazy, that's in a game, okay? All right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no, I do not cosplay, uh, no judgment and. Many friends who do that, so that's awesome. But no, I don't. Okay. Uh, either of you guys. Chloe? Phil? Halloween. On Halloween we do. I mean, that's just stressing up, but like, everyone's that's her holiday. She's big. We did uh, with Pikachu and Ash one year. Uh, nice. Joker, Harley Quinn, Jigsaw, and Billy, the puppet. Yeah. What else have we done? That's it. Those are the main ones. The Pika, I was Pikachu, and I just bought a big, like, nice warm onesie version, and it was just great. It was just an excuse to be in my pajamas for the party, um, <laughs> which was so cool. So uh, Halloween is big around my house. Uh, Jeff yes. and I will be doing a live show from my house this year for Halloween. Um, I, I I do the whole house, make it like a, an abandoned house. I do a graveyard in the front yard. On the side where my garage door is, I do a, a theater screen and play old 
Halloween movies and stuff on the screen so they can watch that and hand out candy. And it's a, it's a big thing. It's, and if Halloween is canceled this year, someone, listen, I don't want to say what's going to happen, but something bad if they cancel Halloween. Your, yeah, your neighbors will be forced to watch the Halloween movies. <laughs> uh, well, I'll give you my favorite playlist that you can replace that with. Um, okay, yeah, we can absolutely. There's no nudity, right? There's no curling <laughs> iron, no. no nudity, anything like that. The right? face probably won't go over well in the neighborhoods. So. Yeah, they would. They would be very upset with me, especially because they call me the Halloween House. So they would be oh, very upset. They would be like uh, that weirdo that played the movie. I'll have to sneak in some clips in his uh, movies and and try to sabotage them. <laughs> Just a gif of the curl and iron scene. So, That's right. Let's talk about that for a minute, Chloe. You're a big horror movie fan, and uh, Jim will get to you in a minute. Phil will get to you in a minute. Chloe, you're a big horror fan. Favorite horror movie? Uh, I feel like a basic bitch for saying this, but it is a nightmare on Elm Street just because I, I know everyone kind of pretty much says that. Uh, but I love it because I feel like it was so clever and creative that they came up with an, an idea that's going to scare people during something they can't avoid. So like, you know, you can do all these horror movies and it's like, oh, well, I'll never like Jaws. You're like, well, if I just don't go in the ocean, I'll never have a problem with sharks, but you have to sleep. You have to face it. And even if you're not really scared, when you go to bed, you're going to be like, what if this was real? And then they're, th they're thinking about your movie. They're thinking about your character. It's great marketing. And the people who are going to be scared, which is most people, apart from like most horror fans who are just immune, um, are going to think about it. Then they're going to talk about it. And you could play Nancy. So clever. Well, and, and, and that's the whole thing. Um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, There, people joke about that, about saying that, that that's their favorite horror movie. But there's a lot of really dark stuff in that, like the body bag being dragged down the hall in school and, and all that kind of stuff. And when I watched it as a kid, we were staying over at my dad's house and um, we had watched it and I was like super scared. I think I was like, I don't know, 27 or no, I, I, I had to be younger than that. Uh, I think I was like probably like 11 and I got scared and I wanted to wake my brother up, but I thought if I woke my brother up and rolled him over, he would be Freddy Krueger. And so <laughs> I just sat there all night and couldn't sleep or anything like that. So I understand what you mean. When you look back on them, they're not maybe as scary, but there, there are some very um, not only scary parts in the movie but there's some great stuff that shot like the blood scene with donny johnny depp and all that kind of stuff those are those are great scenes in horror movies yeah i watched it when i was a teenager and um i was at my friend's house and she dropped me off and we you know i wasn't scared of the movie or anything and then she's like oh my god oh, well, thanks for like, pushing that forward I was you live on Elm Street. <laughs> my dad lived on Elm Street and I was oh, there that night and I was like I was like, I, I'm a little bit more worried than I was <laughs> just because he lived on Elm Street. But, uh, yeah, sorry, what were you saying? Okay, no, that's okay. Jim, uh, favorite movie, favorite horror movie? Oh, I was going to say, I'm more scared that you didn't know if you were 27 or 11 when you watched the movie. <laughs> it, was a weird, uh, it was a weird childhood. Um, uh, I, honestly, as a kid, horror movies were my thing. 
Um, but I did watch The Exorcist and the the crazy upside down girl coming down the stairs. Uh, I saw when I was 13 years old and I, I couldn't walk up the stairs to go to my bedroom because I thought she was, I would get halfway up the stairs and she'd start coming down. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good one. The exorcist messed me up for a really long time for so many moments in my life. Just walking to my bedroom. I was like, is she going to be floating above my bed? Oh, that's not good. I'm with you, man. As a a kid, that was the scariest movie I saw. And my parents effed me. So, you know, when the TV goes, our TV did that. And they said, go up there, Jeff, and uh, fix that. Uh -uh. (laughs) I didn't sleep for a few days. I'm going to give a bad, since this is dad's a drink, uh, Jeff's heard this story, but I'm going to give a bad parenting story. (laughs) My oldest daughter... Yeah, my oldest daughter is 14, almost 15. And like you, Chloe, horror movies are her favorite. She's seen everything. She's seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She's seen everything, right? So I thought when I first started showing her horror movies, because I have a pretty big collection, um, showing her horror movies, I thought it would be funny to – she thinks that the, uh, the house that we live in is haunted. And her bedroom is at the top of the stairs, right at the top of the stairs. You can see down into the the whole like bottom floor of the house. I thought it would be funny to stand there with a butcher knife uh, <laughs> one night with just a shadow behind me and make some noise so that she would come out and look and see me. I don't know if it's bad parenting. It was hilarious. And uh, she never forgot it. So being a horror fan, is it bad parenting? Well, is she traumatized now? Or is she okay? I think she's okay. I mean, well, then it was okay. Murder people later? I don't know. Which yeah. which one of your daughters did you do this with? This was Maddie, the oldest. <laughs> Poor girl. Oh, I was, yeah. When I was a kid, um, I was really frightened of The Grudge. And I watched it in my early teens. Um, even though The I'm Grudge? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Watching it's so stupid. And I'm not scared of anything. But for some reason, it just really freaks me out. And my mom thought it was funny, like not knowing like how traumatized I was by it, had a Morticia wig. <laughs> um, and she like hung it on, on my um, bedroom closet. And then like was behind the door going, uh, and I was like, I actually wanted to cry. I was like, it's just not funny. Like I'm really bothered by it. <laughs> like, she's like, I thought you liked horror and everything. I was like, not that one. It's just that, that one upsets me. Um, I told so my daughter the Blair Witch was real. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I'm. St- I still think about that, and I think what a horrible thing to do. So I don't know. Oh you- wow! So uh, I guess you're going that that was a bad parenting thing. <laughs> I also told the same one Blair Witch was real. Oh, that's kind of messed up, bro. It's, it's kind of messed up. It's that's, not. This was real, though. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So well, Phil, uh, what, you know what? what? You have Phil. I'm yeah, sorry. It, give, give us your uh, best horror movies. No, so it's funny listening to these stories of bad parenting. Uh, for me, with my favorite horror film, uh, it was the opposite. I, it was almost like bad childing. Like, I, I tortured my parents. Um, oh, that's great. So for me, uh, my favorite horror film is Saw and the, the whole Saw series. Um, I was that generation that came of age during the Saw. Oh, I think Jim has something to say about that. For <laughs> just to say, but go ahead and finish. We'll get to him. So I saw the first one when I was 
13. Um, and I, some of my neighborhood buddies slept over and they were like, oh, let's, let's rent Saw. So we went to the local video store when that was still a thing. And we rented Saw 1 and 2. And we absolutely loved it. Like, I, I love, and you can see some of this in the honeymoon phase, I hope. Um, I love just the twists and turns of the narrative where you're trying to really, you know, put together this puzzle. Like, every film is a puzzle that you're trying to solve. Um, so every, every Halloween, you know, the new Saw film would come out. So, like, every year of high school, me and my buddies would go. But they were rated R, so we needed an adult to get us in. So every, every Halloween, my mom would take us to the next Saw film. She would sit there and usually by the five minute mark, she would, she would run out of the theater and leave and just wait outside for us. We'd torture her. So Saw 3 was the first one we did that for. And she's probably listening to this right now, cracking up. But the opening trap um, where um, the detective has to get out of the, uh, the chains and he's taking the back of the, the toilet and he's crushing his foot with oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sound effects of that just steved my mom out to the point where she screamed and we all turned back and she runs out the theater. She, she was a saint. So uh, I forever remember my high school years as, as Saw. You know, every year was just... And actually, fun, fun fact, um, when I was in, I guess it was my senior year of high school, I think, uh, my friends and I did a Saw fan film uh, where we... Oh, like, we have got to see that. Is that somewhere? That you guys. Yeah, okay, well, good. It's unlisted on YouTube right now, only because I wanted the first thing to come up when people search my name. Please send that to us. But yes, I will send it to you guys. It's it's super funny. It's this. What was that, Jim? Then how have I never seen this? I know. I'll send it to you too. But it's it's done in in the exact same style as Saul. Like we have these scene transitions between the flashbacks and the present day, and it's all my high school buddies, you know, over dramatically acting, (laughs) you know, in the film. I'm, it's still one of my favorites that I've ever done. I loved it. It was an absolute, you know, dream to uh, to make. Um, and that's kind of like, on my bucket list of like, oh, one day, you know, if you could do a franchise, I would love to do, you know, a uh, you know, an episode per se. Of, of well, Saul. they're not slowing down on that one at, at any point. I mean, Universal is hooked up with them now and is making haunted houses on Saw and all yep. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, okay, Jim. Just do a better saw, like Jim. Counterpoint. Okay, here we go. Okay. Counterpoint. The first saw I saw had one of the best horror scenes I've ever seen in a horror film since Birds. Oh wait, okay, all right. This one's going to be a little more in detail. So the birds. So the scene where she walks into her apart, he walks into his apartment. And he's got his camera and he's just flashing it, and every scene he flashes, shoom, light, nothing. Shoot, but he knows something's wrong. So every time he flashes his camera, you're freaking out knowing something's going to happen. But this is the quintessential point of horror films is we know it's going to happen. It's just, are you going to trick us into when it's going to happen? And are you going to do it in a way that we don't suspect? Because, okay, so we flash the... Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, he is going to be so pissed. (laughs) Jigsaw came for him. We're going to wait around. Okay, Chloe, uh, Jeff, let's say your favorite. Um, You know what? Uh, Not to be cliche, but um, I think The Exorcist is a wonderful horror film to actually that scared me, um, Poltergeist. And I did enjoy, like, I grew up, I was, you know, grew up, I was born in 75, so grew up in the 80s. 
and you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and all those. I, I thought those were good, but they didn't scare me. Anything with like demonic possession, like real life devil stuff, that stuff's what really really gets me. And DJ and I have actually gone and done some paranormal. I knew you were gonna say this. We're in uh we interviewed some uh <laughs> scarecrowns people, but uh y'all have to <laughs> that was a good time. I, I was in a weird way, I was really wanting something to happen. You were a real dickhead that night. So uh so so here's how we did it. So on a Friday night, we interview this people and they're awesome. They are paranormal investigators here in Texas, right? And they walk us through everything and they're like, Hey, we run this paranormal investigation at this old hospital. And and I'm talking like old hospital and it's supposedly haunted and everything. And they're like, why don't you guys come out the next night? So we come out the next night for a paranormal investigation. We want to watch them walk through this. It's And it's pretty great. I mean, this, like this hospital was around. It had like nuns in it, a crematorium, like they killed the people. And there's a like a huge history with this thing. Right. So we go out there and this guy about, oh, I would say an hour and a half into the investigation pulls me out in the hallway of this place we're in. And he goes, this is fucking bullshit, man. Let's get the fuck <laughs> out of here. And I go, I go, bro, you were supposed to be open-minded. He goes, yeah, nothing's happening. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's go get something to drink. We stayed around for a couple more hours. Our, our, we almost are, you know, what, three, yeah. Hours? And, and, and it was really cool. And we're going to go, we're going to go back out there, but he became more of a skeptic that night than he was before we went there. So, um, <laughs> horror movies are, I, I just think everyone needs to, um, be a part of horror movies. They're, they're so great in, I mean, I mean, a lot of people make fun of them and, and, I'm looking forward to um, seeing what it has to hold. You know, there's a lot of new companies that have come out like Blumhouse and stuff like that, that are yeah, strictly, good job. yeah, they're strictly scary movies. Uh, Blumhouse has signed a contract to do like four movies at Halloween and stuff like that. Um, is that something you would want to be part of, or would you be more interested, Phil, in being part of something like uh, a black mirror or uh the new twilight zone that's out and stuff like that. Oh, great question. Um, for me, it always comes down to the, the story, you know, okay. story that I can connect with on an emotional level and, um, you know, takes the audience on a ride. That's, that's usually what I look for. Um, I would say that my sensibilities probably align more with like black mirror. Like I would love if the honeymoon face could be seen as like an audition for a black mirror episode. Like that would be a dream come true to direct a black mirror episode. Um, but on the flip side, it'd be a dream come true to direct a song. So, you know, it, it all just depends on the story. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I love stories that are, are puzzle boxes where you're trying to kind of figure out what's going on. And, you know, there's red herrings that lead you down one way. And, um, you know, saw was that for me, uh, growing up. So it, it all just depends on the story. You know, I could go in either direction. And Chloe, how about you? What, what is your, if you had a dream project out there, what would it be? Oh, and 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 we mean like as an actress, as a director, as a producer, what would be your dream project where you would go, I made it? It's, it's, it's a an, tough it's, question. Yeah, it is as an actor because like I love horror movies and I would love okay. to do, but like horror movies, 
but the acting roles are better in non-genre movies I feel most of the time because like genre kind of oh not genre like hor- like strict horror movies kind of like you know it, it it's kind of like normally a set layout to how it's gonna go you know um but you know there's some dramas and thrillers that are great like as for an actor like you can really get into a character and it's not you know all about like yeah, you're the final girl and you just have to make it through all of this shit, you know? Um, right. But you would agree like, final girl more like, kind of falls along the horror line, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think like um, w- when you say that, um, I think as an actress, you just haven't, you know, you haven't broken out into the mainstream because I'm telling you, you are phenomenal in this movie. With this movie, though, things are going to happen for all you guys. I think oh, so. That's very kind of you guys. We, yeah. We hope so. And, and, we hope it elevates everybody that worked on the film. And it should and it will. And we'll do our best to make sure people know and, and, and we'll continue to support you guys and girls every way possible. But, Jim, a question was asked to, to, to Chloe. Uh, am I calling you Jim again? Yeah, yeah, I think you no, were. You're right. Let, let's finish. Let's finish with Chloe real quick. Right. Dream project. Go ahead and finish what your <laughs> dream project is. Oh man. Um, okay, let's break it down like this. Would it be? Would it be actress, producer, or director? What would actor. be your dream? Okay. Uh, I, I I directed a few shots, but it's not. Um, it's not like something I want to go into unless like I really loved it and it was really horror. Okay. Um, I found it fun for like day shoots, but I couldn't do what Phil did on the honeymoon phase. Like he just was, and, and it's like when the film was over, pretty much like a lot of our responsibilities all like stop, but for Phil it's like, then he has to like edit it. And, and with right. more money, we'll have people to do that, but we never have any money. So it's like, <laughs> it's all on us to do. And for Phil, he is just kind of like, this project has been, his last three years. Um, so like, I don't, I don't want to do that as a director. Like I okay. like bring the character to life. Um, like I'm just really into like the psychology of characters and I love acting and that's like my main thing. Um, I like producing too, but a lot of the reason why I produce is because it's a story um, that I've been involved with in the writing stage. And it's also got a character that I want to play in. So like, I'm going to back the project. Um, because it's a way for me to learn and be more creative as an actor as well as a filmmaker. So um, I think my ideal project would be... um, You told me Game of Thrones at one point. Oh, that's over. That ended. No, they're doing a spinoff. They're doing three spinoffs. Yeah, uh, that would be so cool. It's so funny, like you talk about dream projects that you don't even think you're ever going to get there. So, like, yeah, but you got to uh, think positive. I'm, I'm not. We're not saying that because you're on this show. This movie is spectacular. You guys really, uh, and we're not saying that because you're on the show. Uh, you guys really are going to break forward through this, and I can see you playing a Game of Thrones role. Uh, as soon as you said that, I thought of the. Uh, the Sun Queen, uh, I can't think of her name on the the show. Um, Marjorie? Oh. No, 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 no. Uh, the the one with red hair. Um, oh. Uh, uh, no, uh, 
It's like Melisandre. I want to oh, Melisandre, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be so badass. Like, yeah, uh, see, I can see that as soon as you said that. Uh, and you have so, the accent for it already. You got that down. Yeah, British. British. <laughs> just go there to film, not a problem. Um, I can get back in right now. <laughs> Most Americans can't. <laughs> But you know, I was late to the party on Game of Thrones. I, my wife and I didn't uh, watch it. it. It was probably um, how many total seasons of the game was it? Uh, seven. Seven. Like we missed the first five seasons, and we binge watched it, and we were so caught up in it. Jim was uh, just about to get upset. With yeah, you. We, we did. <laughs> uh, you know, she's busy. I was busy, but um, I was like. What is all this fuss? You know, we didn't have HBO, whatever it was on. And uh once you started watching, we we're like, holy shit, this is oh yeah. This is legit. This is good. It, it's one of the greatest shows ever written. The last season really sucked. You know what I think's interesting though? And I'll say this. I love Netflix and Amazon. You know, you could you can watch full seasons, whatever, but there's still something about it being released yeah. once on the you know, and you having to wait a week or two weeks to see the next one. I think that's what really still is a very cool aspect of that type of programming, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, a, a question for you guys: You told me who, who you think I would play. Who would you think Jim would play in Game of Thrones? Oh, I already, I already said uh, it's going to be the guy that was screwing his sister. Um, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> Is that Jamie Lannister? There you go. He's Jamie too big Lannister. to. He's too big to be the imp. Uh, he, come on. No one. No one is Peter Dinklage. Let's be clear. Right, and no, and he is one of my favorite characters on the show, and that's why I was so disappointed with that last season because it you build and build and build. And I really thought this as, as I watched game of Thrones, I'm like, man, it gets better every season. And then it hit that last one. And I'm like, Oh, I was still okay. With the last like they season. phoned that one in. I think, I think everyone was disappointed in the last season, just two seasons. It was rough. Yeah. I, I think even the actors were upset with it. No. Really? Oh yeah. You, you agree, Jim? I do. <laughs> Chloe? Yeah, I think someone, I think it was um, Lena Headey mentioned that in an interview, actually. She wasn't into it because she's like one of my. That's actors. a good interview. Like, I would, and I love her character. She's my favorite character, Cersei, because she's just. Oh, she was bitch. such a bitch on that <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, and she knows it and she doesn't care. <laughs> and she's in like total power for good portion of the series. And I just, I just love it. She's just like. Uh, such a great character. Um, and then she kind of just is crap in the last, like her character, not the actress. She's amazing. Um, it's just kind of just like, oh, and here's the end. Yeah. How, you <laughs> know what? We're going to spoiler here. How her and Jamie died was bullshit. Can we all agree on that? That was bullshit. That was lazy writing. Mm hmm. Yes. I, I know so. you guys want to be on a Game of Thrones spinoff, so you can't say too much, but I'm going to speak for you. It was fucking bullshit. That's where I'm at. I'm like, I'm at the beginning of my career. I got to be careful about who I am. Absolutely. So, Jeff and I will speak for you. Jim, what character could you play on Game of Thrones? I will literally play the guy who sings around the campfire. That was Ed Sheeran. Yeah. No, I know. 
I'll still do a better job and sing around okay. the campfire. Can you give us a little uh, a little example of your singing? Around the campfire? No, or? just singing. <laughs> oh. Um, Would you um, like me to get a campfire going? I can do that. Can you? In that that those posters are gonna catch fire in there. Well, I gotta here. Hold on. Oh Lord, what do you got? I, no, I actually want to see this. What's gonna happen? <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> um, this is the moment. My final test, stay or never, I'll sit forever with the gods. Wow. Beautiful. That's amazing. Thank you. So uh, let's talk about your Broadway career a little so, bit. By, by the way, let me see. I think he could sit, uh, I think uh, Jim could play Baelish. Oh, word. Yeah. Evil character. I think he I'm trying to think. Work. Who was he, Jeff? He was uh, uh, Lord Bayless. He was the one the bad guy who somehow floated around. Yeah. Ramsey. Uh, Aiden Gillen. Ramsey. Ramsey. Oh, that's what I think. Because um, he's like so, that like, nice guy that's awful, like can play awful. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't want to back that up, but I have a really specific type on film and television, and it's the guy you don't expect who's going to be really nasty who ends up being really nasty. That's, that's that, that Law and Order role. Uh, Law and Order. Uh, Ooh, what did you do on Law and Order? Let's talk about that. Um, I wasn't the good guy. So. <laughs> you were like the worst of the worst. <laughs> no. No. If anyone watched anything for Law and Order up to season seven, I am not the worst of the worst. Mm, okay. No. Okay, season Okay, five, so what did you literally do? literally just like apartments painted with people's blood. I'm not that guy. All right. I'm not a good guy, but I'm not that guy either. <laughs> All right, yeah, so, so what that. did you do? Uh, my character. <laughs> yeah, we got that. Yeah, uh, in season 21, episode 17, which is missing... Uh, my character is um, someone who is abducted as a child and then as he becomes an adult, abducts child children uh, as a way to feel like he's possessing his childhood again. So uh, in the opening teaser, uh, someone steals his car and the car is found and there's a child in the trunk. So they spend the majority of the episode tracking down Oh, who's this car belong to? It wasn't the guy who stole this car. There's a child in the trunk. Why is there a child in the trunk? Oh, it's this pervert who was kidnapped as a child and is now reenacting that out as an adult. And uh, once he's in jail, has like a minor freak out and Mariska Hargitay is awesome. And that's my story about Law and Order. <laughs> Say that one more time. Season what? Episode what? Twenty-one seventeen. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's twenty-one seventeen, but the episode is called "Missing." Okay. So if I'm wrong on the exact number, uh, if you type in "Law and Order SVU Missing," it'll it'll bring up the exact right number. I right. on it's weird. It's been over a years, a year and a half since we filmed it, and a year and two months since it aired, and I I don't remember. Okay. 
question for, for you, Jim. What what is a a dream role, or what is something you would be like that would be that would that would be it for me if I if I could just do this, I'd be okay. I well, mean, I guess if I guess if I could be Keanu Reeves. That would be ideal. Oh, he that is fucking badass. guy, man. Well, how the fuck did he talk about that for a minute? How the fuck did he pull that off? Because he's like the coolest guy in Hollywood now. He really is, yeah. Well, years, he was a joke. He was the coolest guy, and then he wasn't, and then right. he's the coolest guy again. Yeah. Like, uh, have you guys ever seen uh, Always Be My Maybe? Yes. On Netflix? He's in it for like five minutes. He's the fucking coolest guy in the whole movie. Yeah. We love him in uh, Knock Knock, right? Is yeah. that what it's called? It's a good movie. Oh, uh, I have not seen that one, but. Uh, I won't spoil well, it then. Check it out. It's a good well, thing. What's the one he plays where he's the doctor with like Jack Nicholson and. Uh... No, though I'm curious about what that film is. What is it? Then, hey, then... would you like to play, Jim? Would you like to play in a uh, John Wick? Okay, you want to know the craziest story? I was called in for John Wick. Abs Whoa, what? So, not not for John Wick. It was <laughs> when they when they sent the script, Keanu Reeves had already been cast and um the the Russian mob head had already been cast. Yeah, Greyjoy from uh yes. I don't know. No, 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 no. He hadn't. And I texted my agent and I said, "I want to be the mobster's son." Oh, that's I great. don't want to be this part. And she said, well, you're not going to get that. It's going to go to a name, so don't worry about it. But I got called in for the guy who gets killed in the bathroom in, in the first John Wick. And okay. he goes to the club. He, the guy oh, in the bathroom, in the bathhouse. Like, drowns him in yeah, the, yeah. the sink. Yeah. I got called in for that role. And when I went in, I walked in, and it was me and three other guys who were all six foot two. And I went, Alrighty, this isn't gonna happen. This is great. <laughs> you know, what you should have told him. I'm a personal trainer. Fuck well, you. Was, okay, I was fine. I was wearing whatever I was gonna wear, but it was like the the there was like his personal bodyguard speaks fluent Russian. Right, must be proficient in you know stunts and all this this stuff. And I said, okay, I'm good in stunts. I'm okay in Russian, and I'm my height. So. But again, the guy they cast was from LA. He was six foot three, and he was awesome. He was great in the film. But to this day, John Wick is like my favorite movie series. I friggin' love it. I love it, dude. It's, it's fucking but awesome. I the monster son was Theon in Game of Thrones. I know, and that's the part. When I read the script, they sent me the whole script so I would understand what the movie was about. And I sent my agent. And I said, "I want this part. I want to be the guy he kills." No, I, I still think you can make it into four. <laughs> well, they're already filming it, and Neil Patrick Harris got my part, so it's okay. Whoa, whoa, really? whoa. Wait, what? You didn't know that? Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris are both in Matrix 4 right now. Okay. okay. Are you we're, we're talking about Matrix 4. Fuck that. Let's talk about John Wick 4. <laughs> That's being made, too. Yeah, but I'm uh, Neil Patrick Harris will probably be in it. So. No. <laughs> Come on. It's fine. Rules um, of engagement? You're going to let the guy from Rules of Engagement beat you? No. I won't stand for this. <laughs> Either way, uh, awesome, awesome series, both of them. 
I'm obsessed with both of them, and I'm uh, super excited to see all four of them. They're going to be great. Yeah. Number During this four pandemic, four. I went, yeah, and watched The Matrix again. I watched all of John Wick's again. So I, I, I'm an air. So I'm an area sales manager, and I travel much from job. Well, I haven't traveled for five months, so <laughs> I work from home, and you tend to watch a lot of a lot of shows. So mm-hmm. uh, I caught up in all those good classics, and I'm with you. I think John Wick series might be one of my favorite of all time. I rewatch it probably three times a year. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you guys rewatch? Phil, Chloe. Um, the Deep Blue Sea. Oh, oh man, those are no, 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 no. Chloe, that is an awesome movie, and oh. all three of my girls love that movie. Oh. I love it. It's my. Oh, favorite. It's so I used to have it on um, VCR. VCR. VHS. VH- What's VCR? That's what the VHS tape goes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a video cassette recorder. Um, yeah, I had it on video. I had it on like everything, and I just used to love it. And it was like one of my first horror movies I think I ever oh, watched. It, it is so great. Movie. I completely oh. agree with you. And like, there's just so many great moments in that movie, and I just, I just love everything about it. And people who shit on it, it makes me really upset, Jim. When Samuel, no, 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 no. I'm not shitting on it. It's a great movie. I, my number one fear in life of all things is sharks. I cannot deal with sharks. I don't like sharks. I can't. I don't go into the ocean. Have you met a lot of them, or what? Yeah, what does I it come from? With sharks, and I'm still not okay with it. Okay. So, but that movie did not help when I was ten years old. Now, no, Chloe, have you, you like seen a... the sequels? So no, I, I didn't want to see the sequels. They're <laughs> awful. Yeah, I've not. We've not seen the third one yet. We're no. gonna run it, but. Um... I originally wasn't going to watch it because we watched the second one and I was so insulted. I was like, I can't believe they, they could make this. It, it just really upset me because the first one's so good. And then we were going to get the third one. And then I was like, I just can't, like, that would, it would just hurt. If it was Did fun. you watch the trailer of that one? Yeah. It looks wrong. Yeah. It looks horrible. And yeah. I'm going to agree with you. Deep Blue Sea is awesome. All three, 14, 11, and seven year old daughters love Deep Blue Sea. And uh, Jim, I'm the same as you, like with sharks, like it's like my number one thing, that and heights. But I always like, uh, I really want to go cage diving just because. To do that, that like, adrenaline rush one time. Because you what? Phil, that's a movie. The adrenaline, the adrenaline rush, like one time. And I'm with you guys. When you're in ocean, you ain't top of the food chain anymore. You are way down there. Sharks, no good. And I've, I've watched Shark Weeks and all that stuff. I'm like, I'm not sure I want to go to, to really get out in those deep waters at all. Like, yeah, see, I've I'll been a scuba diver for a long time. Oh, no. I, I, I went, love it. I went scuba diving in Malta, and I like I have a license, um, and I loved it. And I was the group that I was with wanted to go through this cave. And it was like a pretty shallow cave, but you'd be swimming. Yeah, don't do like, that. And I was like... No, because I just watched like Sanctum too, and I was like, I ain't drowning today. Like, I like to see the top. We were already pretty far down, and my God, everything below us was black, and then everything around us was black. And I was like, I'm gonna wait. I'm not going through the cave. And they were like, Okay, we'll see you on the other side. And I was like, Okay, I'll be here. 
And, and I, at the time I was like, yeah, because I'm not going in the cave. And, and then when I saw the last set of fins go through the cave and I was suddenly oh alone God, in the middle of the ocean. And then all I, all I start doing to myself is playing the Jaws theme tune in my head. Yeah. To scare myself, like I do shit like this all the time. And I'm yeah. like, stop. I'm like, stop doing this. And I'm like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to give myself a heart attack for anxiety. So um, I went to dive school. I was in the military. And um, when I was stationed with the 25th Infantry, I went to dive school to be a, a diver in the military. And uh, so I went to Pearl Harbor and Fort Island to go to the school. Well, that's a hammerhead breeding ground. Yeah. And so when you do your night dive, they give you a Kim stick and they break it. And a Kim stick is like the Halloween, you know, the little green, yellow, orange stick. They break it, hand it to you on your compass board and they go, go out to that buoy that's floating. You can see the flag on it and come back and see us. And so you just dive out in the middle of the night and it's a hammerhead breeding ground in Pearl Harbor. And it's just you and another guy attached to you on a rope swimming out to this. So I, I get what you're saying. I, I really do. Yeah, <laughs> but there's I nothing that beats it. Like when you're done, you're like, "Wow, this is amazing." Yeah, um, I Jim. Do that. No, Jim, let's go diving together. No, so I uh, I lived in <laughs> Ireland for two years. Okay, and I was on the competitive Olympic swim team. Oh man, you, did you guys know this? See, no, this, look, I did see in his profile. It listed swimming as one of his strengths. Right. So, I think this guy has every strength in the book. But we we used to go we we would go swimming out in the ocean. But the problem with Ireland is if you're up in that, you know, North England, England, everything is messed up. It's all just murky water. And it got to the point where we would train in the ocean for swimming and I finally had to say I can't I can't do this anymore. And this is how I got into theater because I bailed out on swimming and my mom said, okay, you need to get out of the house and stop just watching TV. I signed you up for an audition, go. And then I booked a role in Peter Pan and that's how I got into theater. Wait, but what role like, were you? Okay, there's so many layers to this. I First off, not, what role I, were you? Oh, uh, in Peter Pan, I was the older brother, Michael. Uh, but I could not... Okay go out into the ocean where I could not see what was underneath me more than 40 feet before having a heart attack. And I just bailed out. Yeah, that was, that was it. But you were a competitive swimmer for the Olympics. Uh, yeah, I was 14. So I was, I was underage, but they, uh, they recruited me to, um, to train and see if you can <laughs> to, to train and continue competing in, in the, the locals and then uh, we moved back when I was 15 so I could start high school in America. And by that point, I'd, I'd given up on swimming and I was doing theater. Deep yeah. Blue Sea is I, your role. Jesus, I swear to fucking God. <laughs> they would have to pay me so much money to get in that water. <laughs> this is what Chloe, I get when I read Are you hearing this? I'm, I'm blown away. So when I when we do auditions, I like purposefully don't read actors' resumes because I just want them to come in and present the character, you know, in the script. I don't care about what they did before. Uh, you know, I'll look up that stuff afterwards um, if if I'm interested. But like, I don't 
I don't want that clouding my judgment. Right. So I, I would have known, I guess, if I'd done my research into you, Jim, prior to, to meeting you. But Dan, that's amazing. Thank that, what you. a cool like origin story to becoming an actor. Couldn't, Jim, couldn't do are, it. have you thought about being a superhero? At any point in your life, have you thought about it? Oh, you you were asking Chloe about dream roles? Oh, let's really? hear it. Superhero. If you say Superman, I'm turning this off. Oh no, I was gonna I was gonna say the boys on Amazon. Season two. But I was gonna say season three, let's go. We need a new character and I need a job. So let's oh. do it. That Home show girl. is fucking amazing. Yes, it is. So we we met one of the writers of season two at Other Worlds when we were there. The director of uh, After We Leave, an actor. He the yes. actor in that is also a writer. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we. So who? Which actor? Which actor? Uh, well, no, he he's not an actor in The Boys. He's an actor in this movie called After We Leave, and he's a oh, writer okay. now on The Boys season two. Um, and we were like geeking out when we met him because we were like, oh my God, like we love the first season. Oh, it was so great. So good. Season two's out, by the way. Well, yes. three episodes are, yes. And yeah. I'm, I'm just going to be sitting on the edge of my seat every Thursday night. <laughs> Bro, could, listen, do you think you could have sex with a dolphin? I mean, because that's what it calls for. No, it calls for you to throw a dolphin out your windshield. There you go. After <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it costs for. So, okay, let's talk about uh, dream role. What's your dream role on that show? Are you a hunter or you're a superhero? Uh, I think based on the way I look, say, get, look, superhero, superhero. The, the way I get cast in film and television. Uh, the boys consistently strikes me as hilariously my type because I'm always the type that you never think is going to end up not being a good person, but you expect them to be okay until the end, which is literally the honeymoon phase, law and order, Fosse Verdon. And I just, again, I got this audition for Monday and it's for the guy who they're like, oh, he was such a good kid. Can you talk about it? I cannot. Okay. How old a guy are you, if you don't mind me asking? How old am I? Huh? No actor ever is honest about that. 27. (laughs) 27. Your age was 18 to 35. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Oh, you looked that up? No, no. That's that's the most wide range of all time. 18 to 35 is just the bullshit range. Uh, I turned 31 this year. Okay. Um, but I never in tell Venus Veritas. when they, I never tell agents when I get cast in that, uh, I'm married or that I have a kid. Well, you look young, actually. You have a, you have a baby face, which Thank you. should serve you well. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering how old you were and, uh, it was hard to find that information. I guess that's not something that's usually readily out there, but question for you guys. So, so look at this. Hold on. There is a quote about you. Hold on. Look at that. <laughs> Thank you, Facebook user. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. So question for all three of you, um, and you can answer it, whoever order. 
what led you to being where you are now as an actor or director? And did you ever see, was this your vision from a young age? And, and then like, you know, not everybody can be an Olympic swimmer. So we, we know your story, but what, what is it? The pat what is, do you see what flexing his you so much right about now? what you're doing that you're passionate about? Okay. Phil, go ahead. For me, um, so when I was 10 years old, uh, my favorite movie was Jurassic Park. And oh, wow. I absolutely loved it. And a family friend of ours for my 10th birthday bought us um, a, or bought me a collector's edition VHS copy. It was a double tape, so it had the film on one tape, oh, and wow. then it had the making of on the second tape, which was really cool. Um, and prior to that, I had no idea that there was this whole other side of a movie, you know, the people that made the movie. So I watched the behind the scenes, was, you know, super interested in all that about how they made my favorite thing. Um, so I asked my dad if I could borrow his video camera. And my brother and I made a Lego stop motion animation remake of Jurassic Park. Please and tell me that's on video somewhere. It, I think it's on my Facebook videos. If you go under there, the very okay. first test for it is on there. I don't know if the full one's on there. I'll have to check. Sure. Um, but uh, but we did that and we premiered it for my family and they you know went crazy for it. Um, and from there, it was pretty much like every family party, we debut a new short film. We just got a kick out of entertaining people, and it was, that's pretty much the reason that I still do it today. Is I just I just absolutely love the feeling of being able to give somebody you know an emotional reaction to something because I think that's something we all crave in life. Is, absolutely, you know, we, so much of life is the mundane, and you crave that you know for you the adrenaline rush, or for me like I like to be emotionally moved. Like my favorite thing in the world is to happy cry. Like it's so like cheesy, but like I like when a movie can make mm. me cry at the end. But like because I'm happy, you know? Um, so that's something that as a filmmaker, I really strive for is to give people some sort of emotional, you know, joy or sadness or, you know, I think it's a gift to be able to share that. Uh, mine is, so since I was a kid, I think that in general life is um, pretty boring. Um, I know that sounds really depressing. She's married no. to me. So, <laughs> so <boring. laughs> um, like, I just think that like daily life is just, you know, normally like you, as soon as you're an adult, you do your thing, then you go to work and then you get married and then you have kids and then it just, everything just feels like very like mundane and boring. But when I was a kid, like I like loved watching like adventure movies and horrors and all these things because it was a, a form of escapism it was like yeah, wow this i'm watching a story that i will never experience um but i feel like i'm in it for that time that i watched the movie and it was just exciting and i just wanted to watch all these different movies all the time and then i you know wanted to learn how they were done and it was my dad i, I can't remember what i was watching but it was like a gory scene it's like oh and my dad was like, it's just, it's just ketchup. Like you, you don't have to be worried now. It's like, it's just ketchup. And then like, I wanted to learn about like everything that went into making movies. And I was like, oh, it's all make believe, you know? Um, I have like a insane imagination, like even from as a, as a kid and even now, like I play The Sims 2 is like my favorite thing to play that in Age of Empires. And Say that again. The Sims 2. Um, okay my favorite computer game and you know phil watched me play and he's like and age of empires like, and age of empires <laughs> and i'm i'm playing the sims on like fast forward like 10 with um 
with cheats on so none of their motives go down and and i'm playing it and phil's like what is even like nothing's going on i'm like it's all going on in my head though like i have all the character things that you know most of what i'm playing is in my head and you never know it looks like so walk us through that real quick (laughs) um with the sims yeah uh yeah it's crazy chloe um so yeah so like if i'm playing like i'll create like my characters and then i'll have this whole story in my mind that i will never write down or show and then i'll play on like fast forward and all the storylines will be going on in my head and And that's what we're waiting on the storylines go ahead ah story oh she's played generations of our family vampire stories you know aliens so i guess you're really into vampires then yeah, I, like I thought. Uh, uh, so I, I wrote Alicia because I was like, if I don't get cast as a vampire, like it's such a waste. I'm so pale, and I was yeah. like, I just fit the part. Um, and so I actually uh, was diagnosed with an allergy to the sun. Um, and I wait, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. <laughs> Back up. What did you say? So I one time um, when I was. Is like in my early teens, I um, I went outside and I don't know what it was or what caused it. Or it was very random and like my whole body just came up in hives. And and then every time I went outside during like hot sunny days, all it would all come up. Um, just any kind of sunlight, not always heat. So it wasn't a heat rash. It was just a beam of sunlight. And I went to the doctors and I was yeah. like, you're okay. a vampire. I know it sounds stupid, but whenever there's like a sunbeam like directly on me, like it irritates my skin. And it's like, look how many people, Chloe, let me stop you for a second. Look how many people have left the screen. You're scaring them. But when I went to the doctors, he was like, yeah, some people have like, you know, if they're very fair, like you, like they'll have a reaction to the sun. I was like, like a vampire, like joking. He was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so now you've never craved blood, right? No. Okay, good. But, I but I, I'm with her. Like, I love anything vampire. I, I'll, I'll watch it. I, what do I, you think? Uh, well, speaking to both of you, what do you think about the Blade series? I love I the Blade series. I haven't seen it. <laughs> what? I what? Watch it. I haven't seen it. I need to watch it. I've watched um, the Underworld series. Um, oh, that's a horrible it. one compared to Blade. Whoa, I know, whoa, I whoa, 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 whoa. No, it's horrible, Jim. No. <laughs> oh. Uh, All that. right, let's talk this, about it then. Let's no, go. This, this is a whole different podcast. It, it's not. This is our podcast every week. All right. So... Uh, Underworld is a completely different timeline world and and presentation than the Blade world is. Yes. Uh, uh, Wesley Snipes is not a great actor. Oh, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go ahead. Finish. I'll retort. She is. Kate Beckinsale? Yes. I think so. She is... Uh, Wesley Snipes is a stereotypical actor. Kate Beckinsale is a nuanced actress, actor. However, we want to quantify that. Okay. And uh, 
the storytelling is indicative of the time periods, which means one is stereotypical and one has a plot twist that you don't expect. I just want you to look at this real quick. <laughs> okay. That's fair. You know, we speaking, he did play in some poor films. Yeah. Oh, please. I've, yeah. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's great. Okay. Well, all right. Let's walk through this. New Jack City, awesome movie. White Man Can't Jump. White Man Can't Jump. Great movie. <laughs> Sugar Hill, great movie. Why is it a great movie? Wh which one? Sugar Hill? Sure. Yes. Uh, it, I think that the characters in that film show a huge amount of range. I I think Wesley Snipes in specific roles is wonderful. Okay, give me an example. Jim's <laughs> uh, <laughs> going down a rabbit hole now. <laughs> He's Dude, a rabbit hole king, man. Phil went and got more beer for your answer. I did. Yeah, no, seriously, you know this is going down a really dark rabbit hole. I, I'm good with beer. that. This is what we do here. Get dirt on, get dirt on you. Um, yeah, no, no, just, we will never, ever, ever do dirt on anybody. But we want their honest answers. Okay, so okay, so and I can't remember the title, and it's and I also don't have a computer to reference because I'm okay because my, my computer died. There's a movie in which um, Wesley Snipes plays a crossdresser. That's To Wong Fu. Yes, Thanks for thank the memories. You. Yes. Okay. Brilliant film. He's brilliant in it. Like, actually stands out against pretty much everyone else. Patrick um, Swayze. Patrick Swayze notwithstanding. Patrick Swayze's Jim <laughs> throwing shade. Whatever. Oh, Jim, I'm listening to you, man. Go ahead. Though. Phil, have you read these reviews? I can throw shade. I can throw shade all the time. It's fine. Oh my god! Have you read the reviews? I have. Hey, great movie played in was Wildcats in nineteen. Oh, great with Goldie Hawn. Great movie. Yes. Okay. Woody Harrelson. Wildcats is a great. It's fun. I enjoy Wildcats. But I know what you're saying though. Late in his career, he had tax issues. He he. Took ever really could. Jim, would you uh, ever think about doing a roadhouse? Yes. Oh, he could totally oh, rip someone. Dude, great I movie. Have a mortgage and a fifteen-month-old. <laughs> I will do. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I look. I can shit on any actor I want, and I can give my own opinion on anything I want. Absolutely. We've read so many reviews about honeymoon phase that have their own opinions, and that's all great and fine, whatever. But like at the end of the day, I have a mortgage, I have a child, and I don't care what. Like, what's I, the worst thing you've heard about you? <laughs> oh man, oh. That, dude, oh. you're, you need hold to on. Relax. This is gonna be good. Hold on, because I'm gonna counter it. Horrible things that we've heard about each other. No, yeah, no. I, I think it was about this movie. Was like. A one-star review on IMDb that was like terrible acting, not convincing at all. Um, I I didn't believe Tom for a second. Like, yeah, 
I am the Okay, Chloe, what's the worst thing you've heard? Yeah, I think for, for us, it's just the acting. Um, they've trashed it. But there's a bunch of reviews that are like, I love the chemistry. It's it's really good. And then there'll be one underneath that's like, the chemistry was trashed. And, like, and I yeah. didn't believe it. But, but here's the deal. Like, the movie, though, there's a certain, in my opinion, and I don't know the technical aspects. I don't know how to talk film, actor, genre, language. But... There's a certain direction you went in that some of it was cheesier or some of it was uh, more intense. And I think that's all by design because I thought it was extremely convincing and, and sporadic and all over the place on purpose, in my opinion. So I disagree with those douchebags that. Well, uh, but and, and the reason I bring that up when I say, what's the worst thing you've heard? Because I think the internet is littered with trolls. Oh, yeah. gosh, yeah. Like people that could never do the job are telling you how to do the job. This movie is fantastic. Well, thank so, you. But I also yeah. just ripped on Wesley Snipes, who's a multimillionaire, and what the fuck do I Well, do? he's so, not really know. a multimillionaire. He's he whatever things. Well, that's, that's his own decision-making. However... <laughs> The, the 1980s and late 1980s and late 90s determined that he should be a multimillionaire. Yes, and, uh, accurate statement. My my shitty opinion otherwise has nothing to bear with what anyone else thinks of his opinion. Well, when was the last time he saw a film though? Like it's been like what 15 years? Oh no, he's in the Expendables. Yeah, no, is this? Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. That's how he got rid of all of his tax problems. <laughs> See, it's funny because we can say this because we're not actors and we don't give a shit what anyone thinks about us. So no, we do. But... My my dad's birthday is today. Oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday! Thank you, thank you, Jim Shubin. Uh Happy birthday! And uh, he called. And he said, hey, how's everything going with the honeymoon phase? I know you guys have an interview today. You got this thing going on with this recording session, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, a lot of people have been shitting on the movie. Like, oh, that's TV. crazy. And I don't know how to feel about it. He said, well, does it matter what they think? And I was like, well, no. One of them's a computer programmer in Des Moines, Iowa. And I don't give a shit what they think. He's like, but you looked up that they, they live in Des Moines, Iowa? And they're a computer programmer? And I went, I did. I know. <laughs> I uh, I know. And uh, and then I made this comment about Wesley Snipes. It's like, yeah, I understand that everyone's got opinions. All good. Eat one way or the other. At the end of the day, it's not it's not really that big of a deal. But it. Uh, well, it's actually a huge deal, and you take it personally. And you should because you put your passion and your craft in. in writing and directing it's it's you know three years of creativity and um i think the thing that people understand is like rotten tomatoes or all these ring i don't pay, pay attention if i like a certain type of genre yep. and i like certain actors i don't give a crap what the critics right. say i'm gonna go see it and likely i will like it so just just to get that out there um don't be a victim, viewers, of critics in comments or whatever. Go look at it and see it for yourself, and then you can come to your own. Chloe, I see you. Look at Phil. So tell us what you're thinking. 
I um, had an issue the other day because, um, like, well, the comments don't bother me at all. I think they're they're funny because um, obviously people have their opinions, and some of them are really funny. Like, I I enjoy reading them. Like, well, at least they felt that it was that awful that they needed to write six paragraphs about the film. I'm like, good. Like they they were that angry that like, <laughs> they went into detail about the film, and it's like, oh, that's actually quite a compliment. Like it really affected them that much. Yeah, like yeah, I, I like reading them better than the the good ones. They paid enough but, attention to it. They might have hoped for a different outcome, but they evidently invested in the movie. Yeah, like they they were saying like in detail things about the movie, and I'm like. Uh, yeah. you know i agree with that yeah and one thing i found the other day and it was the first thing that did bother me is um you know i found that people had uploaded my pictures and my the scenes to a, a porn site that oh no oh, this is news for jim yeah and <clears> jim you're on a porn site they've gone through i don't think that's a compliment this. bro <laughs> of me nude is still from the film and uploaded the and creepy part is that they have like it, it's some celebrity like porn website where you have the actors and then there's oh, okay. so they have oh. her name they have her hometown they have like, oh wow that's weird creepy shit and what's funny is uh chloe had a stage name before well, I don't want you to say that publicly. <laughs> Wait, Chloe, hold on. We yes. are all about exclusives. What was your stage name? No, no, let's not talk about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh. uh, not the stage name. Jeff, we're going to be the reason for a divorce. <laughs> no. Well, anyway, they screwed up the information on the website. Okay. Yeah. That's why she doesn't want to reveal because they screwed up a little bit. So they can't get any of my like actual information. Um, okay. Just because like it's just really fucking creepy. Like that. Um, like, that is creepy. Way to like steal like every every still of like me yeah. and then yeah, that's I really found, creepy. Like, a few weeks. Well, actually, when the trailer got released, and this also didn't bother me as much, but was weird. Like. Phil was oh, like, uh, he has a uh, tags on our name, so if a Google article or a review goes up, then we'll um, <laughs> what space? <laughs> he'll um, he'll know like what they're saying, so we can read it. Um, he was like, Chloe, um, I got a you know a notification about your name. And I was like, oh, is there another article? And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, um, and I didn't want to like make that public at first, but uh, I find it's funny. This is now. an exclusive now for you guys. Uh, this is the first time she's saying this. Man, know, we, like, we do exclusives really on this show all the time. But uh, someone uploaded picture, a picture of my feet to wikifeet.com, which is like a, a foot fetish. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Yeah, and it's like the most. Awful photo. It's me like mid abortion with the curling iron. The curling Her feet iron. And it's the curling my feet, iron. and you go there and you rape people's like feet sexually. Oh, that's like, disgusting. Like, all right, so. Jim, what do you think about this? I, I I have no opinion on this. This that's not my feet. I um... yeah. well, you have opinions on Wesley Snipes, but not <laughs> well. Wesley Snipes has bunions, man. I'm just saying. I, I don't have opinions about Wesley Snipes' feet, so uh, what the I can't fuck help is wrong with people? No, seriously, that's that's so weird. And fun fact on Dad's that drink: um, my son <laughs> just talked to me today about our foot fetish is real, Dad, and I go, 
Wait, what? You didn't tell me any of this before we got on air. No, seriously. Random fun fact. Um, He went on an interview, and my son went interviewed at a fast food chain. Good for him. He needs a job. And he he was talking on the way back, and, you know, 17, 16, 18-year-olds, they don't know (laughs) what they're doing. (laughs) My dad said, I mean, my dad. My son said, <laughs> sorry, my son said, um, Dad, um, Mitch talks about sucking on toes and uh, having a foot fetish. Is that really a real thing? I go, maybe. Jim, do you want to go get a drink? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I was suggesting that Jeff, Jeff might need a refill. <laughs> oh, he's got a full cup, I promise you. No, I'm trying how to word this right, but... Um, in all seriousness, and I was like, Aiden, you know, does it exist? Yeah. But do you want to participate? No. That's okay, though. Man, I'm going to be in the editing room a lot this oh, week. Oh, shut up. We're fine. Uh, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's trying to take complete blame away from yourself. talking about foot stuff. And- Jim is going to be right on Google after this, like Jim Shubin news. I told you, I teach, I teach a voice and acting studio out of our home. And this movie came out no. and <laughs> I teach high school and above and beyond talking about birds and the beast. Yeah, it is. Uh, I teach high school and middle school age students. And my wife is a middle school teacher. And when this movie was going to come out, uh, I had to message all of the parents and say, hey, this is coming out. And there's some fucked up shit. I don't want anyone who is under the age of 29 watching. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my son Uh, asked me a bunch of really... I told you my daughter is huge into horror movies, and she was like, "Can I watch this one?" I was like, mm, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you pass on this one." This, this is a different <laughs> horror movie, honey. This is like, oh, wait, I really, I want her to see it, but she's not ready. No, and it's I, I had, to, I had one student whose parents said, "You know what? We understand. We're okay with it. We're gonna let him watch it." And he watched it. And I was like, "This is a 15 year old kid." Oh, and I'm not. Wow, that's a lot. And he was like, mad respect, buddy. <laughs> he was. I mean, he was fucking high fiving you and fucking. Very, they were very appropriate about it. The parents had a long conversation with them, like, you understand this is a character and this is what this is, and it's not your actual teacher. But it was also my wife and I had a, con- had a conversation about it of, hey, we need to understand that I have students. I have. My wife teaches, what, 70, 80 plus students a day? And many of them know that I do professional acting and have seen my episode on Law and Order, which was a whole problem because I abduct a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> like, Hey, did you ever show up to school and be like, uh... <laughs> oh, like, oh, <laughs> just to, to fucking freak everyone out? I come to her school four times a year and teach acting master classes. Yeah, it's a problem wow. now. Yeah. Well, now you got a reel to show them. <laughs> well, <laughs> another thing um, that I don't know 
Not, not master class, master ass. That's what you can call it. <laughs> oh man, you gotta edit so much of this now. I know. Oh, I'm gonna man. spend so much of my time in editing. Yeah. Jim, there's a YouTube channel um which is dedicated to kissing scenes of movies and they uploaded ours. That sounds just, like weirdos. Not even like the sex, it's just us kissing. Like Which which like, kissing scene? Because there's a lot of them. It's yeah, there are. Right before we go into the rough sex scene, then it cuts. But it's oh, first oh, kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good, a good one. Kiss. Okay. That is uh, the one I was referring to earlier, yeah. Someone can't be within 1,000 feet of their wife's well, workplace. Jim, I'm, I'm a, my day job is a nanny, and I work with children, too. And now if you search my name, uh, my nudes come up. Uh, what? And then the um, and then the curl and iron scene, and I'm like, I just want you to know that I'm a lovely person, and that was a an acting thing. But if I don't make it as an actor now, I'm gonna really struggle. I only <laughs> tell the, the people who I work with, I'm like, you know, you can watch the movie if you want, but it is there is some shocking scenes and some. Yeah, I say that. Yes, I had some nude scenes, but they they were tasteful. He's gonna say they're tasteful. Yeah, I am. They 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 were. Um, not extremely revealing. There wasn't a whole lot of time from the camera on them in a certain spot. And uh, I thought it was um, tasteful and professional in the good way, not in, you know, extreme. Jeff, I appreciate that because the last scene in the movie legitimately was the third day of filming and was the, honestly the most uncomfortable day I've ever had on set. But I thought you said the second day. No, well, the second day was the most intimate, but the third day was the craziest day because it's it's okay. the end of the movie, and uh, it, there's so much that happens in that. And honestly, that's the most of you ever see. <laughs> you <have to> use <laughs> the right words. Thanks for it's, checking for us. <laughs> it's by far and away, it's the most of me you ever see in the film in a, in a very large amount. I mean the most amount and um joan my wife when we watched the movie she said i'm really 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 okay with this movie up until the last five minutes of this film and then it gets really uncomfortable and i went well yeah because it's supposed to and she said it does but i just don't want to sleep next to you now oh <laughs> wow the last five minutes are very divisive, like from what we've seen in the reviews. People either, yeah. um, so I, I would say they love it, but like they either, you know, agree with that decision in the story or they really don't like the ending. But right up so, until that point, that amount of what it is, you don't see anywhere else in the film. It's, it's that powerful and that's why people have such a strong reaction to it. So let's talk about it for a minute. The last five minutes. I don't want to give anything away in the last five minutes, but let's definitely talk about why it's so divisive. And and Phil, let's go with you first, talking about why you think as a director it's so divisive. So I think that people, you know, this is just my assumptions based off of what I've read, um, but people want films to end you know the hollywood ending like they say they don't people say they don't want the happy traditional ending wrapped up in a then, nice bow yeah but then films don't do that and they get pissed so like, okay it's a weird, like, you can't please everybody situation and for us you know we felt like 
most films, especially, you know, a psychological thriller with like, a, you know, a crazy lover, they always, you know, get wrapped up at the end, you know, uh, Fatal Attraction, you know, that, that wraps up perfectly at the end. Uh, all, we love all the Michael Douglas, you know, 80s erotic. Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. All those. Yes. Oh. Um, but we wouldn't. <laughs> Sorry, that was way louder than it should have been. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to Michael Douglas in a minute, Jim. Oh. Hold that thought. <laughs> but, um, you know, ours doesn't wrap up in a bow. And it, you know, it leaves you uncomfortable at the end. And I think that people don't like that. Um, you know, some people don't like that about it because, you know, the, without spoiling too much, you know, I mean, at the very beginning, you know, Eve dies at the end. We've so already like, spoiled it all. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the bad guy. I don't, I just, don't really think we have spoiled it. Wait, We've said we there's just, some parts, but. Murder. Actually, there's multiple murders. Can we so, just say spoiler can, alerts and then like talk about it? If we just say spoiler alerts right now. Jim, do you want to talk about it? Well, everyone does. So spoiler right. alerts. You want to do spoiler that? Spoiler alert. Okay. So from this spoiler. point forward, if anybody hasn't seen the movie, mute. Yes. Um, so we'll I'll, tell you when you can come back. I don't know how, but we'll tell you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the bad guy wins at the end, and and he not only but that, does he. Yes. Well, the good person loses in the end. Finally, put it that way. So, like Eve, who struggled, you know, she she becomes this strong, heroic woman at the end of the movie, and then she's killed by the abusive man. And we made that as a conscious decision in the story because we wanted to show, you know, getting serious now, we wanted to show kind of an abuse story for the the horrific truth that a lot of them are. You know, a lot of times okay. abusers don't get caught. Right. Um, we wanted to show that in our movie where the abuser wins at the end. Um, but I think the time that we're living in right now, the, the post Me Too movement, a lot of people don't necessarily want to see the bad guy win within that situation. So we weren't glorifying anything that was happening. It was the exact opposite. We were trying to show kind of the truth, the truthful horror of the situation. But I think it was, you know, for today's age, a lot of people are uncomfortable seeing that. May I may I intervene here? So I I actually think the last scene is um, unexpected, but but something that made that finished the movie in full circle, in my opinion. And now without you know we are this spoiler alert, but what is to me so interesting is Eve thought she made the right decision, and she had the right guy. And it still came back to haunt her because it wasn't. And she was innocent when she's thinking, oh, I got rid of it. You know, I think that's the intriguing part of it. And the ending is a key factor in in kind of highlighting that whole journey and going, oh, I got him back. Well, I think that's the truth in a lot of relationships, too, is you think you chose the right person. And then only years down the line, you realize, oh, my God, like, they have this deep, you know, dark side to them that I didn't see initially. So I think there is some... People are going to be so worried about Amari. Like, <laughs> this is nothing listen, listen, uh, Phil, you have a safe house with Thank us. You. <laughs> I know, yes. You have a safe place. Jim, you have a safe place with us. Chloe, I'm sorry, you're out in the, you're out in the cold. No, I'm uh, I appreciate that. We're good here. Okay. <laughs> 
No, but I, I, I think that, you know, the film, um, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Jeff, because I think that, you know, we try to... But you can live with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I appreciate you, uh, you offering your safe house to us. Um, but, you know, we wanted to show kind of the, the dark side of relationships. I mean, it's, it's ironically called the honeymoon phase because it's about a relationship that you think is perfect. But there's actually something really nefarious on the, you know, the other side of it. So. You know what? You said the word perfect in, in the very end of the movie when, when the director is talking about his wife. who's like, you know, he's, why, why are you doing this? What's going on? He's like, I, I want my perfect wife. I have all these clones, yeah. but I want my perfect wife. In the end, no one's perfect. Is it perfect for you? Is it perfect for her? Is it perfect together? Nothing is perfect. So what the fuck are you even trying in the first place? Exactly. And that's, very and that's why he was great twist and turn. And that's why he was never, you know, going more into the spoilers. That's why he was never satisfied with any of the clones of Samantha because none of them could ever equal what he had in his mind of what the perfect exactly. woman should be. And and, and definitely Definitely go back and watch the uh, extended or deleted scenes. Okay. Yes. It goes or that down. specifically. Go, so go back let, let's that. talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about extended scenes and when, <clears throat> when, because we see a lot of like Blu-rays, DVDs come out where they add a lot of stuff in. Does it really make a difference in a movie or, and I'm asking you guys from this movie, Wow, Jim, I'm going to let you answer first because <laughs> no, don't let me answer. You're super emoting. So, uh, Jim, <laughs> let's talk first with you. Do the do the scenes make a difference in it? Does it make you completely think a a different way than you thought, or what do they do? Because I love when they add extra scenes in. Uh, the answer is yes, they do. And did you see the Lord of the Rings extended cut? I don't uh, think no. I did. Well, then I own it, but I don't. I haven't watched it. What are you doing with your life? Go watch them. Right. Okay, now. it's like nine hours of my life. Yes, it's and nine hours long. Yeah. Well, if you watch all three of them, yes. Cl Chloe, you just seem more shocked at that than anything else in this interview. <laughs> we talked about sex murder, all oh, kinds of stuff. Awesome. And you just seem more shocked that Lord of the Rings was nine hours than anything else. That's a lot of time. Uh, By the way, it's a great, great series, but whatever. Lord, all right. The, take it the easy. original Lord of the Rings trilogy movie is it's nine true. hours and 27 minutes long. Wow. And yes, go, go watch it. Wow. Look at this. I want you to see this. Someone put that. Okay. Oh. You got the time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Nine original version, 27 extended version. Called it. So go watch it and then tell me that those 27 minutes aren't worth it. Uh, they are. Someone and, wrote uh, this about me too. I've seen him. This movie, it's, and I feel unclear. I think you will both back this up. It's two different movies based on what was cut and what was there when we originally filmed it. And that's fine because 
the editing process and the producing process and all of that's a totally different thing. But if it makes a better film, why do they cut it? Um, I, I, I cannot speak to that as well. As Phil, can. Phil, let's let's talk to you. So, if it makes a better film, why do they cut it? So I'm. I'll talk about the honeymoon phase from that perspective. Um, so our original cut was an hour and 40 minutes. And the cut that you guys saw, the, the commercial release was, uh, yeah, yeah, 128. So 128. So we, we cut. So we lost about uh, a little less than 20 minutes. Yeah. So from that, you know, I think that the scenes – Today, people's attention spans are, are shorter than ever. And knowing that our movie would end up on a streaming service like Amazon or Netflix, um, there's so many times where I know for us, we'll put an indie movie on. and <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and we'll put an indie movie on. And if it doesn't hold our attention in the first 10 minutes, we'll, you know, we'll turn it off and go to the next one. So for us, the slowest part of our movie was within the first 10 15 minutes where we're setting totally up we agree totally agree and not that that stuff wasn't good but we found that we could trim the fat of it and you know kind of tell that story in a montage to get to the fun parts you know which okay is but so, don't you think it set up the rest of the movie it it did with certain stuff but you didn't I don't think you lost, like, having the additional, um, or getting to the point quicker was better than losing some of that extra information in, in our minds, you know, ultimately. Um, so, Chloe, I want you to, as after Phil finishes, I want you to... Now, there was, what Jim's alluding to is there's a additional ending to the film. It, it's like an epilogue. That's, okay. that's not what I was alluding to, but yes. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> well, this ending, it, it was very divisive with even within our team where we talked to people and like there was a camp that was like, no, you have to have that because it, it explains who Jim's talking to in the white room. And, you know, it is a really well done scene between Francois and Tara, you know, it, like really beautifully tragic scene. Um, and it was a really difficult thing for us to choose to cut. But ultimately we found that the film ended when Tom and Eve's relationship ended, which was, you know, when the door opens, you see Eve hanging and, and it's revealed that, you know, spoiler alert again, that Tom killed her. Um, and to have an additional four minutes after that, really without Tom and Eve, it just felt like people weren't emotionally invested anymore at that point. So it's a really cool thing, I think, to include as like a, an alternate ending, you know, epilogue. I, I actually think we, we should have called it an epilogue on like the DVD because that's really what it is. Um, okay. But it, it just, you know, it didn't, it no longer fit within the story that I, I think I was trying to tell. Even though I wrote it in the script and we shot it, when we cut it together in that final, you know, editing they say is the final rewrite, um, you know, it no longer fit. So, so you I, cut off some of the beginning and then some of the end. And stuff in the middle, too. There was a couple days, um, you know, days within the film world. Like, there's another question that the handler uh, asked Jim and Chloe, you know, after the rough sex scene. There's a, a question that she interviews them about. Um, there's a, a scene, it was actually Jim's audition, um, where he's telling Eve this story about their first date. 
and he gets it wrong. And it's kind of this big red flag for Eve, you know, that, you know, how did you forget what our first date was? Right. Um, well, I think you've pointed that out pretty well, though, in the, the scene where he she photoshopped him into the picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what we ultimately found is that a lot of the stuff that we cut was either repeating information that we had told in a different way um, or was just information that wasn't needed to keep the story going. So there, there is the original director's cut of the movie that's an hour and 40 that we have um, that maybe one day it'll see the light of day, who, who knows. Um, but for right now, the, you know, the hour and 28 minutes is the definitive version and then all the stuff that was cut Minus the two sex scene portions of the, but <laughs> the, I'm the not everything minus that is on the DVD or. In the but here's DVD. the deal: I, I actually, um, psycholo psychological thrillers. I don't mind seeing it going over hour forty five, two hours. But um, because I think, like you said, I even told Dustin, I said it was a little bit of a slow start, but it was intended to be. In my opinion, because everything thereafter was boom, 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 boom. It was moving, and especially when you get to the last 15, 20 minutes of the film, it is going fast and it's wild and it's crazy. So uh, I think it all fits. And like you see, like puzzles, I think you put the puzzle together right, in my opinion. But I would be very curious to see the 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 extended version or um, see what else is out there. Because you know what though. I think that's the value of it. The way you explain it is, hey, we'll give you alternate ending. We'll give you this um, and let people enjoy both or yeah. all three. So um, there's a merit to that, no, no doubt. Yeah, and, and there is kind of the something that I didn't mention, you know, going back to the business side of things. There's the the truth when you're going to the film festival circuit and we're, you know, we're an indie film. It's easier to program a film that's an hour and a half and then you have 50 minute Q&A and 15 minute, you know, block for people to get into their seats than it is to have a movie at an hour 40, hour 45. And then you got to cut your Q&A short. So it, it's, it's some bullshit stuff that you also have to think about, you know, in terms of the business side of things. So, you know, the business informs the creative, the creative informs the business. It's, it's sad right. in a way, but it's just, you know, it, it's the rules you have to play when you're playing the game. Especially being a first first uh, feature film, and you want to get it right, you wanted people to see it and, and, and come out in the masses. That makes exactly. total sense. So yeah, total respect for that. Speaking of that, uh, Chloe is uh, yawning. So <laughs> it's not bedtime. Now. She's like, Jim, my mom commented on here. She says you're falling asleep. No, he's not. Um, that's really rude. He's hanging <laughs> I'm, I'm also like three hours ahead of all of y'all. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's let's uh, end this because I want people to go check out this film. So on our site, we have all the places you can go check out this film, The Honeymoon Phase. It is absolutely fantastic. If you love Black Mirror, if you love The Twilight Zone, if you love anything that will just kind of scramble your brain around, this is it. Chloe, Jim, you did an excellent job Thank playing you. in the movie. Uh, Phil, you did an excellent job directing it. Thank you. Thank so, guys, go check this out. Look down at the bottom. That's Jim. Wave. There you go. 
Chloe, Phil, Jeffro, and me. This has been the Dad's a Drink. Go check out this movie. We're going to put all the links to it on the show. The honeymoon phase. What are you drinking there, Jim? Oh, uh, I was having just some Booker's. Okay. So, question. What can we do to aid your um, promotion? The word out to get people to come watch the movie or go watch the movie. Not You know. What can we do to help you guys out? And what are some outlets we can share with everybody? Oh, great question. So I'll, I'll take it from the movie and then you guys from an actor's perspective. Um, for the film, the best thing that anybody that's enjoyed our talk and is interested in the movie, um, if you can go to Apple TV, iTunes, or Amazon, uh, Voodoo, Fandango Now, anywhere that you can rent a movie. Um, I'll put all the links up. Oh, thank, thank you so much, DJ. Yeah. Um, but if, if you like the talk and you're interested, please check out The Honeymoon Phase on one of those platforms. It, it really means the world <laughs> to us. Um, and even if you can't financially you know, afford to rent it, um, just sharing about the film would be really helpful. Um, we're a small indie film, and we haven't had any mainstream press coverage. Um, so it's, you know, it's really been an honor being able to participate in your podcast tonight and and all the other grassroots, you know, people that we've talked to who have helped kind of get the word out about the film. It's really been the YouTubers, the bloggers, the podcasts that uh, have supported us. And that's really meant the world. So um, sharing, you know, the page to the film or the trailer to the film would really go a long way to, t- to help kind of bolster the, you know, the social media presence of the movie. So either rent the movie or if you can share about it, that'd be great. And, uh, and if not, we also just love to, you know, talk to people that also love movies. So I'm on Twitter at Phil Carroll Jr. Um, and Chloe, you're on at Chloe. Yeah, I'm, I'm on all the social medias. Um, so I'm on Facebook too. Yeah, the social medias. I sound like I'm like 60. I'm on the garage. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm on the computer. Yeah. But it's at, at, at uh, C-H-L-O. Is, uh, for anybody that wanted to see the special features, of the movie that we were talking to, the deleted scenes and stuff, just to, again, reiterate, it's only on the Apple TV iTunes version that you have to buy or the DVD. So the other Well, you can pre-order that today, correct? Yes. Yeah, we we haven't uh, publicized the DVDs links yet, but they are public if you go on Amazon, uh, Best Buy, Walmart. You can look up the Honeymoon face. You'll see Jim's face. If you see Jim's face, you know you're in the right place. What is your MySpace? My, my, you don't want to see my MySpace. Here's what I'll say I'm ending. I know we're wrapping up. It's worth every penny. If you're listening or you're friends or you're social with us, shame on you for not going and buying this show, this great film. And um, I will hound every one of you until you see it. That's an endorsement. Wow. Jim? Uh, uh, what I was going to say more than anything is if you view it after, after you go after everything that, uh, Phil just said, if you see it and you like it, please, please post a comment, please post a like, please post a share, please post a review. Yes. And if you don't like it, okay, great. But please don't post your review because 
I mean, they're great. You can, Young people, no, you can, you can message me privately and tell me how much you hated my performance. There you go. So don't post it publicly. Like, no. If you like it, great. If you don't, shut up. So I, I, I want to jump on that really quick with the reviews. If okay. Anybody, if anybody does see the movie and wants to leave us a review, um, IMDb, Letterbox. And the platform that you rented it on, so like iTunes, yes. and Amazon. And one other thing with the IMDb ones, because we have some amazing family and friends that uh, left us reviews, um, but used the real names, so then it made it look like our family and friends were trying to inflate the score. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I, know, oh, so I saw funny. that, but we'll talk about that later. It's so funny. Um, Carol, Carol, but, Carol, Carol, Carol. Yeah. yeah. But the thing with IMDb that's really interesting is um, they have systems in place so that people can't spam rate both negative and positive. So the tens and the ones aren't weighted as high as the scores in the middle. So if you like the film and you want to help us out and you think you're doing that by giving us a 10, it actually might be better if you give us your authentic rating. So if you think it's a six or a seven or an eight, feel free to leave that and leave your comments. Because um, the tens, you know, they they actually are weighted against us in a way. No one's so. saying anything about nine, though. <laughs> well, also, also okay. if you don't like it and you want to give it a one or a two, maybe consider your life and go do something else for a while before you leave a review. Uh, you know, man, I love what you're saying. I totally on agree. that point, guys, that's going to be it for this week. That's Jim. That's Chloe. That's Phil. That's Jeffro, and I'm DJ. And we're the dads that drink. Guys, Cheers. join us on the next one. Go check out this movie. It's absolutely fantastic. If you love Black Mirror, if you love Twilight Zone, if you like dudes just walking around without their shirt on, <laughs> this is the movie for you. Go check it out. We've put everywhere that you can find it on our website. We'll update it. But that's going to be it for this week. Jeffro, anything? Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you all so very much. And um, that's really it. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it for this week, guys. We'll check you on the next one. It'll be next Friday. We're going to talk about some big stuff. Jim, you're going to come on the show later on. Chloe. You guys are going to blow up. We're going to have you on the show. Phil, you're going to direct Black Mirror. We're going to have you on the show. It's going to be great. So we'll catch you guys on the next one. We'll see you. All right. Have a good night, everyone. All right. Bye.